0: Welcome everyone to Papa Spice's Hot Takes with Hans and Harry. How is everyone out there in internet land doing? We hope you're doing well. I am your host with the most, Papa Spice. I am joined by two of my very best buds, Hans and Harry. We're here to talk movies, entertainment, pop culture, all that good, good. Uh, Hans, how you
1: feeling tonight, bud? Good. Just got back from a little rest. Uh, had a couple of days off down at the beach. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have a couple days just to relax, and then and then you just come back to everything, and you know have to go to work. And and luckily, I got to see you guys today after a while, and and you know seeing seeing you guys now because apparently I will not be seeing one of you uh, for a few days because it's someone's
0: birthday. Uh oh! Oh snap! Whose birthday yeah. is it? whose is it
2: it's me it's me <laughs> harry it'll be my so, birthday
1: by the time this drops happy birthday harry thank you uh, so i hope you have i hope you had a great day even though with this uh your tech, your birthday's technically
0: tomorrow but yeah happy pre-post-birthday oh, <laughs> yeah man. What a, what a, i hope, what I a hope the day was life. everything you hope you hoped it would be it will be yeah it will be uh yeah well welcome back hands um I uh yeah I gotta say anytime that one of you guys is out of the office it does not feel the same we have a merry little bunch and uh there's definitely a piece missing you know it's it's not it's not quite the same so glad to have you back today and Harry birthday boy uh, what how you doing bud?
2: I'm doing great. Uh, birthdays uh, on the horizon. Uh, hey, depending on how long we record, uh, if we go the length of uh, both of these features, it could be my birthday while we record. So, uh, you we'll know, n- no spoilers, but we'll say um, no, but I'm doing well. Uh, excited. Uh, I got a couple of days off uh, coming up. Uh, I got the weekend coming up. Um, so hopefully some relaxing, fun times. Um, and just celebrating uh, my life so uh, it's also my mom's and birthday I, uh, on uh, the same oh, no day way. as mine so yeah so happy birthday to, uh, to mom um, she'll probably listen to this uh, funny story because uh, she'll probably hate this uh, she couldn't realize uh, why we were talking so fast during the pod um, and then like every time she would listen and she would be like you guys talk <laughs> really fast and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But like, I guess sometimes we do, you know, sometimes it gets like pretty late or, you know, whatever it is, you know. And uh, then she listened, I think, at home on like her iPad or something, and it sounded normal. And she was listening at like one and a half times the speed of for the podcast. So, uh, yeah, we sounded pretty, uh, pretty quick. Power-less. Power-less. with it. So, yeah.
1: Why so, does everyone sound like a chipmunk?
2: That was uh, <laughs> her words. Exactly. Right out of right out of her mouth. So. Uh, happy birthday mom uh, i hope you had a great day and uh, i will be talking to you uh, in the past i guess what a, what a way to t- kind of get into gear of a nolan movie is be talking in the past present and about the future so um, we're hitting all the beats here
0: absolutely all points are converging and happy pre-post birthday to mama Hipple too that's amazing exciting harry don't, don't you have some film related escapades coming up for your birthday
2: uh i do i do i'm I'm doing the best of both worlds so obviously uh i i've been saving watching oppenheimer again because uh tickets are hard to get uh we're one we're in a lucky position where we get to go to the king of prussia uh imax screen which is like i think one of 19 and one of 30 in the entire world that has the what they call the true imax experience um uh so I've only seen the film once so this will be my second time. Sadly it didn't uh happen before the pod because tickets are really hard to get. Uh I'm going to a 10:40 a.m. show tomorrow and uh it's pretty much sold out. Um which is pretty wild uh for uh Thursday. Um and then you know like I'm getting to watch uh you know the great Christopher Nolan and then pairing that off with uh with a double feature of the Meg 2. Uh so you know a little a little uh Huge you know, cinematic creature, great. A little creature feature and a and a by a three hour biography. So I'm really looking uh looking forward to my day. Uh, Just like Nolan intended, exactly
1: Oppenheimer, <laughs> and then the Meg two right after.
2: Yeah. Well, there'll be some there'll be some nice treats in between and uh, some cake and uh, yeah, we'll get to see uh you know garbage uh you know fish, fish out of water uh there. For, I hope your
0: cake is Meg two themed
2: yeah that would <laughs> be pretty cool so his yeah so
0: the, in this one i didn't
2: yeah.
1: see okay yeah. so he did not die at the end of meg one
2: uh, well i mean because you don't know maybe in he's his contract, in he the, can't the,
1: even lose to a megalodon
2: maybe he's been in the guts of a meg for however many years and he just broke free so
0: oh is that what it is i didn't realize he met a megalodon i thought it was just a woman named meg mm. i can't believe there's another one out there rom-com i think i'm gonna need a bigger fist <laughs>
2: oh man so yeah that that's uh that's my day paired off there, so looking forward to it
0: nice, nice 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 um, I don't think I've had anything particularly crazy going on i still you know in addition to my daily movie watching, I've been doing the summer of samurai watching a whole bunch of samurai movies and um i recently completed a toshiro mifune week which was stupendous he can do no wrong in imagine. my eyes and also you know i i told you guys but um i've been listening to a audiobook version of a book quentin tarantino wrote which is called cinema speculation and he kind of um does deep dives on some of the movies from the 70s that influenced his cinematic taste. So, I've kind of been playing along and after I uh after I listen to a chapter on a movie, then I go and watch it. So, um I watched for the first time Bullet and Dirty Harry. Uh So, that's pretty pretty interesting. Um I love the seventies actually out of all the films. I love the seventies for it's movies. I should say Uh, all of the films that I've rated on letterboxd. The seventies is my top scoring decade. So, Mm. which is interesting because it's before I was born, but there's just something about the feel of a film shot in the seventies. That's just magnificent. And a lot of the people that uh, a lot of the directors that, are considered the goats today. Uh that was when they were really kind of cutting their teeth and coming up and making, you know, stuff that um broke the mold. So it's a very, very interesting time in cinema that that I like to revisit. Can I can I have a follow up question on that? When you watch Bullet, what did you like better? Bullet or Bullet Train? (laughs) Uh Bullet Train. Good old Bullet Train. (laughs) train. I actually, you know, Steve McQueen, um, he has charisma for days for sure but bullet actually and i know y- y- your question was jokey but i'm going to dive in anyway um bullet i didn't i didn't enjoy the movie that much i don't know i uh i mean it had some decent points but i don't think it was that great and the interesting thing about mcqueen is that um While he does have a ton of charisma, he actually didn't have a ton of lines, and that was purposeful. He he and his wife at the time would review scripts and uh, choose which ones to pick. And this one was based on a book, I believe, but um, they actually cut a lot of his character's dialogue intentionally because he just – he didn't want to do it. So uh, he got leading man status without having to do a ton of heavy lifting, just (laughs) lots of pure animal magnetism. Nice. Uh so yeah, that's that's how things are going on the think Papa Spice front. Computer. But with that said, uh hands, talk to me, baby. It's news time. Anytime is news time. <laughs> I thought oh, I don't have my intro. Yeah. No, I know. I, I don't I don't know what's going on with the Uh-oh. intro, but Uh-oh. yeah, I know. All right, well, let's do it. We're, do, we're live, baby. We're going to do it without the intro. <laughs> Just that was good. fantastic. Oh, there oh, it is. Look at that. Guys, coming to you live <laughs> from the Hot Takes studio with only the finest technology, editing resources, all that stuff. We have our very own reporter, our man on the street. Mr. Chris Hanratty.
2: Oh, it's tough. when you do it live. It's tough <laughs> when you do it live.
1: Wheels are going off the tracks already. We've only been recording for five minutes. Well, all right. We so, got a fight f- ship. I know, right? So, first thing, uh, as always, uh, weekend box office. So, looks like it was another repeat as uh, as Barbenheimer took the top spots. Barbie in first place with uh, another 93 million and Oppenheimer with 46 million. Uh, these are respectively 43% and 44% drops, which is incredible. Uh, basically, uh, um, Barbie is it's on its way to being probably the top grossing movie, at least domestically for the year. Uh, it's 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 killing it. I know it already hit 500 million.
0: Blue Beetle hasn't come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> is
1: that this week or next week is it this week
0: uh the they don't market it they
1: got that in yeah. grand turismo don't forget yeah. they want they want the fans to promote that one without even seeing it so they pushed it back oh. two weeks uh sorry that will not be a news topic today uh just really quick grand turismo has been delayed two weeks uh in case you were wondering um yes yeah, so i and it's, it's actually pretty crazy because last week you know we weren't we didn't record a couple weeks ago but Barbie and Oppenheimer uh, were the result of, I think it was the third biggest box office weekend of all time, which is something that, you know, we haven't really heard a lot of. Um, some bigger movies that have come out this year, but not record breaking. Barbie's cleaning it up at the box office. So, um, and even Oppenheimer, biggest opening of Nolan's career. And I don't I, know, I, I, you know, I, I you guys are, we're, we're all movie people as we're all on this podcast. Uh, do you think this is, A result of really good marketing or is this a result of people actually wanting to see these movies separately and i see that i I guess i say that outside of the barbenheimer i know a lot of people wanted to see the double feature sort of thing but would they have existed on their own if say barbie was released two weeks ago and oppenheimer was released next week So,
0: my take on this is that it was just kind of a perfect storm, and also social media feeding into this. Look, both movies looked great, and, um, you know, we'll get into what we thought about them. But uh, at least from the marketing perspective, they looked good. They both had decent marketing. Uh, um, Barbie, even more so, it was plastered everywhere. And really, I think, you know, the main story here is the. Uh, the influence social media had on said marketing and the whole you know Barbenheimer thing. It was storm here of you know Nolan and storm here of Greta Gerwig and the two uh, uh, directors' projects colliding on the same weekend and everybody you know kind of rather than saying oh we're only going to go see one hey let's make a weekend of it and go see both and I I think that if this went back 15 20 years where um social media was around but you know not certainly as prevalent or to the um the impactful as it is today uh i don't think the box office receipts would have been as much assuming that you know money uh or ticket costs were the same um i think that people making memes and and GIFs and all that good stuff, and just kind of referencing it and feeding off of it. It just kind of kept looping back into itself and making it bigger and bigger until the weekend hits, and boom, box office explodes. So, pretty fascinating. Harry? Yeah, no, I mean, I
2: think marketing definitely played a big role. I mean, especially with Warner Brothers. I mean, you know, there was a lot of uh, standees at the theater with like the, kind of the take your picture as Barbie, um, you know, that that definitely helped share that, you know, social media presence that Greg was talking about. And I just think, you know, there was a ton of buildup for that uh, in the social media, you know, of, of going to see both. I know we have all talked about trying to see both um, doing a double feature uh, so, there was a lot of stuff uh, created with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Barbie was always going to be number one. You have a, a toy that's been around for 60 years versus a three hour biopic. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I would definitely say I've seen a lot of people uh, reference or want to see Barbie more than I would say Oppenheimer, which isn't surprising. And plus, you know, Oppenheimer kind of, hurts itself in a way with you know when you are a three-hour movie plus trailers plus clean time you know there's only so many times they can play that movie a day so um you know and I, I always think there's always you know a misunderstanding when it comes out in 70 millimeter IMAX 35 millimeter digital digital IMAX film IMAX I think that not that it hurts but I think people are like wondering what's the best way to see your film um And then there's definitely a big thing that I that I would relate Barbie to in regards to, you know, the craze with Beyonce and Taylor Swift right now with their concerts of just, you know, a lot of a lot of women are taking the opportunity to treat it as a night out, you know, get dressed up, go see Barbie you know, go out for drinks after, go out, you know, for drinks before, you know, go out for appetizers after whatever it is. So there's definitely an element uh, in there with that. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, the double feature nature of it. So um, I, there there definitely is a thing of like, I think it would be hard to recreate Um, you know, I think there is an element of this, of this is kind of like a perfect storm as as Greg mentioned. Uh, but I also think if you're loading up the summer schedule for next year and it's, you know, let's just call it fast nine and, and, you know, a rom-com or something, um, like a no hard feelings type, I don't think you're going to get the same energy, maybe a little bit, you know, for film lovers, and um, one more point I wanted to make, too, is both of these moves are fantastic. So it makes it easy for repeat business for, you know, I would even say even just talking to people at work I mean we're the we're the biggest I, I I call myself a movie snob at work because we're like the biggest movie fans there is most people I I talk to at work haven't been out to the theaters in years um and even their interest has peaked in wanting to go check out Oppenheimer because of the spectacle or wanting to go check out Barbie because they heard how fun it is so um word of mouth off of a good movie I think is always uh the first ingredient for success so Um, I'm happy that, uh, you know, two successful movies that, uh, I enjoy and the crowds have enjoyed are doing well. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And on that note, just uh, with your word of mouth, I I think Oppenheimer is not a movie that I would think that 18 year olds would be going to see. And I, a few, you know, the, the younger crowd that I've spoken to, um, they, they've either seen it or they're interested in seeing it, um. And and it, part of that's the the Barbenheimer experience, but uh, it, this is the kind of movie that I, I don't think is successful without Barbie. Um, and I not, I don't want to say successful, but to get a new crowd in to see it, and yeah, and I think that that's great because uh, this is it's a it's a fantastic movie. Uh, it's a movie that normal teens wouldn't be interested in. Being a political, I don't necessarily want to say thriller, but there's a lot of political tones here that it. I think it, it's, it's eyes of, you know, people are opening their eyes to it. So that's good. Cool. All right. Well, and some sad news the other day, we got the news that Paul Rubens, uh, actor, uh, frequent movie theater visitor has, uh, has passed away, uh, at the age of 70 after a, a little bit of a bout of, uh, he had a secret bout with, um, with cancer. No one really knew that he was sick. He released a statement, did he pass away? I think it was yesterday we got the news. Um, the night before, he passed away, apologizing for his uh, his keeping it secret. Um, I, you know, this is probably, it, it does hurt a lot for me because I've watched, out of movies, I've rewatched a lot, Pee-Wee's Big Adventure, and, um, and I'll even say Big Top Pee-Wee, which I don't think 90% of the people in the world know that that exists. But Big Top Pee-Wee is a fantastic movie, if you're listening. Um, but it is. Uh, it, it stinks. It was Pee Wee's Big Adventure? I quote. I, I honestly do quote. Uh, maybe every day or every other day with uh, just a little line from it, especially when I meet someone named Francis, because um, whenever I, um, you know, I, I they go away. I will go Francis, which is you know, <laughs> popular from um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, yeah, this stinks because I it, he. It's a shame that he was known for Pee-wee because there's a lot of other roles that – he was definitely a, a – earlier in the 90s, a that guy because he would show up in different movies. But people didn't really recognize him because they always went to Pee-wee. Um, I, I recently learned that he – and I after a revisit that he was the Penguin's father in Batman Returns. Um, mm. He was the villain in Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Chrissy Swanson in 92, which um, – One of the villains. Yeah. He won the villains and then he reprised the role for um what we do in the shadows in one of the seasons, which was great. Um, and he he had a serious side too because he was in um a, a, he was in Blow, and a couple other movies that I know he he definitely did a um did a few a few different roles and 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 acted I think up until up until he was even when he was sick. So um, it, it is a sad one. I you know in terms of pop culture, this was he was an icon. You know, it, it is it is sad because it did kinda of come out of nowhere. Um, you know, the the thing nowadays is if you see a name trending on Twitter, um, someone probably did something illegal or they had passed away. And when I saw his name, I'm like, Oh no. Like I just have yeah. a feeling that he he uh you know, I did not want to see that. So um Har I know you weren't are you big on Pee Wee's big adventure, or was that after your time a little bit?
2: Or before yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I don't really have much relation to, to Paul Rubens. Um, you know, sometimes like I was definitely thinking about you, uh, when I read this news hands, because, uh, I just remember our days, early days of working together, you would either quote, uh, you know, uh, Wee, or, you know, uh, reference it and how good it is and how, you know, underrated it is. And I would always look at you like this crazy guy, um, because I just have no relation to it. So, you know, um, you know, I guess the thing, you know, it could speak to is just, you know, obviously, you know, I'm glad he was able to handle this the way he wanted to, you know, as far as you know, I we have kind of a, you know, similar thing that happened with Chadwick with just kind of keeping things, you know, to himself. And, you know, I hope that was a decision that, you know, he wanted to do. I'm I'm glad there was no leaks about it, I guess. Um, you know, and he was able to pass with, you know, friends and family knowing, um, you know and getting that final message out or whatever. So, but I'll toss it to Papa. Cause I know, uh, I know this one hit you the other day uh, when you were, I saw your post. So I should just say that. So I'll toss it to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> hands and I, uh, we're only one year in difference age wise. And um, so this Peewee's playhouse was like, right. Uh, as I was growing up uh, as a child and, Um, Loved it. It was one of, if not my favorite, uh, live action show. Um, You know, loved seeing Penny and the King of Cartoons and uh, Jombie and, you know, Cowboy Curtis and all the the characters. It's just uh, it's very much a phenomenal show and was a huge part of my childhood. Uh, And I rewatched it as an adult. And while it is aimed for kids, um, just the silly weirdness of it all kind of still held up but um yeah it was it was a bummer when i found out the the news because it had been a private battle so you know i was caught off guard with his passing um and i feel like it's it's kind of a shame because well i mean obviously it's a shame that we lost him but um i don't know that he ever had another character like peewee is an indelible character on on pop culture um you know, he he expanded well beyond uh, just his simple show um, into feature films or appearing as that character on TV shows, uh, things of that nature. And he even made a comeback in, uh, I want to say, like five or 10 years ago, doing some Pee Wee Hermit specials on HBO. Um, so obviously that character is super popular, but but also, you know, he had a lot of kind of either bit parts or secondary characters in various movies. Uh, Hans, you had mentioned um, in Buffy, the vampire slayer loved him in that role. Uh, he was spleen in mystery men, just kind of an underrated superhero comedy um, little known one that I actually did not find out until uh, probably last year was he did the voice for lock of uh, lock shock and barrel from the nightmare before Christmas and uh, the the funny way that I found out actually was I don't know if it's every year or like every other year, but um, usually Danny Elfman will do a live concert of all of the songs mm. from Nightmare Before Christmas performing them. And most of the time they have the actors, the original voice cast uh, reprising their roles and they called him and Catherine O'Hara out to sing, uh, kidnap the Sandy Claus. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that was Paul Rubens. That's amazing. So yeah, he's, he's been in a lot of stuff. You mentioned Penguin's father and Batman returns, just, uh, just a ton of, you know, kind of little roles, but, um, man, he was, he was very important to me and, He had that one, uh, you know, issue back in the early nineties, I believe it was that, that caught a lot of press and, you know, that is what it is. But, um, going through Twitter over the last day, it seemed like he was a genuinely good guy that, um, would take time out of his day for pretty much anybody. So,
1: yeah, I've, and I've seen a lot, you know, and, Honestly, like look at look at uh, and we'll use we'll be talking about him in a little bit. Look at Robert Downey Jr. of how many issues he had in his life. He's a beloved actor. I mean, we have our we have our things that we've done in the past. Um and he he overcame that uh, you know a lot with with some of the stuff. It is a shame that he's he is he is Pee-wee because I feel like he has a lot more range and a lot more talent to be something other than that. Um, I, I'm just trying to think some examples of like people who kind of fall into that just one role person. But uh, you know, going through his IMDb just now, he has a lot of stuff that I didn't even realize he was in. And you just, you know, just outside of Nightmare Before Christmas, he did a couple of Batman roles, like voices Batman. He was in Gotham. Like he was still active for a up until up until his passing, um, or at least when he when he had he was sick. Um, but you know, similar to what Harry said, like with Chas. Chadwick Boseman. Um it, It's unfortunate that it did come out of it, it. It came really far out of left field, but you know, um, you know, he's a, he's a piece now, and um, yeah, it, it it it's it's a shame. So I'm um, you know I, I we maybe I, I don't know I know there was I I know back when Pee Wee's Big Holiday came out there was talks that there was going to be another gonna keep that Pee Wee revival going, but I think the interest in that was not as great as they expected it to be. Um, it's an okay movie. It's a Wee movie made in 2019 or whenever it came out. But, um, yeah, I think they, I think pro- most likely was probably a mix of a few things with him being sick and not being able to do a full movie. But, um, yeah, it's a shame. So We lost a good one. Um, and then the last thing, just a quick thing you know, this, this, uh, we have a couple movie delays coming through with some writer strikes, and and actor strikes that's still going on uh when they're gonna end we don't know um but since we do talk a lot of marvel and star wars stuff on here it looks like disney decided to push back a lot or at least six things six projects which is a lot for disney um in a single year but you know a couple of the ones that stick out they push captain america from may 3rd of next year to july 24th um fantastic four i believe is being moved from february 14 2025 to may 2nd um some big ones which i know kang dynasty was supposed to come out um in 2025 is now being pushed a a full year to may 1st 2026 and unfortunately we're not getting secret wars until another four years which is 2027 uh so a lot of this comes off of Bob Iger's comments of Disney throwing out a lot of content also with the writers and, and actor strikes. Um, I think it's 2025 is going to probably end up being a very disappointing year or 2024, a very disappointing year in, uh, in movies since I don't know what's going to come out. Uh, we're probably going to get a lot of re-releases, but we'll see. It's, it's looking like probably a a, a disappointing year. Like when crash won best picture, Um (laughs) that, that kind of disappointing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you guys? Are you do you do you think you're going to start seeing a lot of studios like follow suit with this? And you know, do you think they're either going to start rushing stuff out once the strike ends, or what? What are your feelings on the strike? Like outside of supporting it, do you think this is going to get drawn out? Because the writer strike's been going on for I think over two months at this point. Actors strike. It sounds like it's not going well. Unless so you're Stephen I, Amell, because you'll just take any job uh, and, and and you'll just, you know, yikes. you don't support striking, but you support the Yeah. Well,
0: uh, all right. So, yes, his comments were a little inflammatory. But to clarify, he is striking. Is just he's saying he doesn't agree with it. Um, just say. <laughs> actually, actually. All right. So kind of to touch on two things. As far as um, releases go, uh, no major shock there. I think the two big disappointments for me are. um ghostbusters actually got pushed back the sequel to ghostbusters afterlife that was supposed to be out in december although it's questionable if it would have made that date anyway it's funny Uh, it wasn't even
2: it wasn't even because of the strike it was just because they knew how bad it would be so they were worried so they they pushed it back
0: sure you're so funny tonight (laughs) Um, anyway uh so that one and then fantastic four moving doesn't bother me as much but i I need to know who's going to play the four. So the fact that they have not been able to cast them. Um, Seems like a problem. That is like, that's more like, you know, it less bummed out about it. More just like, I just want my curiosity satisfied. So as far as movies getting pushed back, there's that. Uh, I did see something that I believe the WGA was going to sit down with the studios this Friday to try to renegotiate uh, or not renegotiate, but negotiate period. Um, yeah, it would I, be, hopefully it would be studi- today
2: that the pod drops.
0: So sure. Uh, yes. Look, just, just pay these people, man. They, they're providing us with all of this entertainment. Uh, most of it is good. There's a lot of quality entertainment that drops, uh, whether it's the writers, the actors, you know, directors, just everybody, everybody that's involved in the production of a movie outside of studio executives, give them raises, pay them. They deserve it. Uh, I think, you know, the the common misconception, especially with actors, is that everybody makes, you know, millions of dollars. Oh, you're a famous actor. You've got to be, you know, living large and in, in a $5 million house. And it's like, no, like 5% of the actors make that wealth. And then the other like 95% can't even afford health insurance there. They have a minimum rate too. And, you know, it's, it's tough out there. It's tough for everybody. So look, if, if Barbenheimer can rake in these millions and probably billions of dollars, the people that helped bring that vision to life deserve a piece of that pie. Uh, so studios get this get this taken care of. And to your question, you know, what, what's going to happen? I think that stuff will probably be piled up more so um, when these delays stop. So like, for example, let's just say uh, I'm just pulling two names. Obviously these aren't um, these, this wouldn't make sense, but if super Mario brothers hadn't been released yet and Dune 2, hadn't been released yet um i think that whereas maybe they would have spaced those movies out uh release date wise now maybe there will be a week or two in between them because there's just going to be so much content from all the studios in the pipeline and it's like we got to get dividends on that so Aaron, what's your take on this oh um, i've hired before you
1: start and then the other big one was um beyond the spider verse is has been pulled the at least the release date has been pulled which was slated to open up in march uh i i as con- as i want as much as i want i was confident that wasn't happening like i yeah felt like that was a but the fact that they indefinitely um you know they indefinitely had um delayed it uh, i don't know when this movie's coming out now so my fear is we're not going to see this until probably 2025 or 2026 but yeah we will uh, see say-
0: by the way hollywood Pay CG artists, give them more time to work, and so that they're, they're not working in inhumane conditions. Come
1: yeah. on, yeah, we don't need more She-Hulks or Thor: Love and Thunders or any Disney whatever movie or or whatever that one that just came out was Secret Evasion.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah. I mean, I'm going to pull a hand out of here. I'm all for uh, the big corporations getting their money. So screw these little people. Uh, not about it. Uh, I've never um, said that once. Well, I was just being a troll right there. So that's usually your role wow. in the group. So. I mean, I've never said that. Um, doesn't
1: mean I'm not thinking it.
2: <laughs> um, got it. See, there you go. You get right, right off the bat. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously agreed with Greg, you know, uh, you know, especially, you know, not even the actors, but the below the line people that, you know, let's get them, you know, let's get them what they need. Hopefully I have a late birthday surprise and come Friday, there's some agreement tentatively in place. Um I think it'll probably end up being a lot like kind of the COVID season where there'll be a, kind of like a, hot, a lot of highs and a lot of lows um, where maybe one movie has a run runway for like a month, month and a half. And then, you know, maybe there's a surprise in there like a uh, everything. I mean, not that it was the same, but like an everything everywhere all at once that just kind of runs for a little while, um, you know, not, not during the same time, but like a Top Gun type thing that just kind of runs, uh, you know, for a long, long period of time. Um, you know, one of the films we didn't mention that moved was Challengers, which was opening at uh Venice uh the film festival there. I think or was it, it was it Cannes? I can't remember. Um, but basically that was, you know, toted to be kind of a, you know, one of the independent movies of that was going to be on the rise for this year and that got moved. So, you know, they'll find a spot for it for next year. I mean, if we start seeing some big names happen, like kind of when COVID happened, where it was like, this movie's off the shelf, this movie, this movie, then I'll be a little bit disappointed. Cause uh, you know, this is something we, I think we all enjoy, you know, and going to the theaters, at least the three of us. Um, but you know, hopefully some things end up sticking because they, you know, can rely on either the film's ability. I'm speaking to you, Dune, um, to, uh, I hope that sticks around cause you'll have the runway. I mean, you know, uh, so yeah, but yeah, it's not great, but you know, I, there will be a little pile up, but I think it'll be more, you know, highs and lows of, you know, Hey, here comes this big temple movie. We're not getting another one for like three months. So,
1: Oh, and we did mention it too. there's also Grand Gran Turismo, just reminders for all you listeners. If you're, if you have your tickets, yeah, I'll be to there. Show, it has I'll be there. been delayed for two weeks Yeah, because in the words, Eddie, Eddie wants to see it. So I'll be there. Of course. In the words of whoever is deciding this, let the fans promote it because the stars can't. But how can you promote something you haven't seen? And so you delay whatever you play. the game, They
2: got early access screenings. They got early access screenings.
1: Yeah, I guess. Play the game. It's better.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, with that said, we are going to move on to our main topic, uh, which are two. The two most talked about films in quite some time. And we spoke about them a little earlier. Yes, we're talking Greta Barbie, and yeah, not, not haunted <laughs> mansion, and uh, Christopher park. Nolan's Oppenheimer. Uh, so we're gonna kick things off with Barbie. But little little disclaimer here: one third Uh-oh. of us did not see it.
2: Who was Uh-oh.
1: that? I, I I'll just I'll I'll bite the bullet here. Uh, it was me. <laughs> I did not see Barbie. Um, it, it's not of lack of interest, but, uh, a few things I, I did have it on my schedule, but they, a few times fell through that I had available, but, um, not I, a supporter, I gave,
2: women, not an ally. We got it. I just hate Ryan Gosling.
1: Um, but in all honesty, I gave the boys just my full support to just go ahead and go spoiler nuts and spoiler heavy. I probably won't see it while it's in theaters. Uh, so Same. it's definitely, uh, yeah, I know. I, 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 I will say that when this movie, when the trailer first came out, I thought this movie was just going to be like a nice little 40, $50 million opener. Nice. Not, not, it wouldn't be super great. Um, I mean, Greta Gerwig isn't known for blockbuster movies. So, and you thought, I mean, the star power is there, but I think it looked good. It was a a very visually striking trailer, but I didn't think this was going to be the phenomenon. It, it, it this is a phenomenon, a movie phenomenon where no one expected this to make $150 million opening weekend and 93 the second weekend. Like those are unheard of numbers nowadays. That is Marvel pre end game numbers. Um, but I, uh, I just I you know I, I my interest is there but you know I, I I know that I wasn't able to to check it out in theaters but uh now, when I do see it I promise if you guys will give me a five minute review that I could run it down and and go through just like my Captain Marvel um review <laughs> that's that's on its way soon that apparently I have to watch because there's another one coming out I heard heard that story. Yeah yeah we'll see we'll see if you're part of that conversation we'll not be on imax because i think it's funny because the imax basically said no we're keeping dune in there um
2: so listen i know i know we're working you to the grindstone as being our reporter on the street so if we need to make any changes to your schedule let us know hey it's hard out there
1: i just report the news i don't have to see the news i'm just reporting (laughs) what the internet tells me
0: you never did your homework um hey i right, read yes. i read box office results <laughs> there you go <laughs> that is true uh yeah so barbie uh harry you and i went to the oh, yeah, early baby. release barbie blowout party and uh did we do anything fun for it
2: yeah listen uh we definitely did we got dressed and dialed up uh dressed to the nines uh not exactly uh but we you know we brought our best colors out you know we we, we brought some pink, we brought some flavor, we brought some some Ken vibes, you know, as well uh, out there. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give a little backstory to our plans. We were trying to do a double feature, and then as the movie snob that I am, I would prefer to watch both of these movies in premium format, meaning Oppenheimer and Barbie. Uh, and Barbie was taking its sweet old time with getting confirmation that they would be on those PLF screens, shout out Dom, um, which is premium large format uh so we wanted to see it in dolby and we they finally put on the times and they had this early showing and you know we jumped at the chance because i think it was something of like we just want to guarantee that we're watching in that uh they showed it a day early i think it was around seven o'clock and uh what a delight! you know the vibes were there like we talked about you know as far as uh people dressing up it you know it felt like an event it felt uh you know, like a like few times going to the theater. Um, that I nowadays it feels like an event, and this one definitely felt that way for me, Papa. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I don't remember the last time I like really felt like this about a movie where it's like, dude, it's gonna be a party. Everybody's getting dressed up. You, we're all gonna rep it. You were leading the but, charge, by the way. You were leading the charge. Yes. Yes, yeah, I threw out the idea of hey, let's uh think pink and you know have some fun with it. Yeah. Um, you told me
2: not to show but... up if I don't wear something pink.
0: <laughs> yes, that is true. Um but yeah, we had a we had a large group of friends and uh we we all had a, a great time. Yeah, 12 of us. And uh yeah, it's um it it really it it made me think of like hey, this is this is how fun it can be, and it. I kind of forgot about that because you know you go see a movie opening up on Thursday night. and It's whatever you know. Movie's good. Yeah. Movie's bad. It, it's a. It's a good time at least. You're with friends. But this was like no. I. I was legitimately hyped for this leading up like the weeks leading up to this, and that's coming from a guy that doesn't have any particular connection with Barbie. Never played <laughs> with Barbies, uh, sure. but the the movie looked so much fun it's like let's celebrate this and and make it a good time and we sure did and you know went out afterwards had some some drinks and food and it was uh it was delightful um but let's talk about the movie itself so uh rather than going kind of like through the the movie which we sometimes do I think I'm just gonna you know kind of give general thoughts yeah uh, for me I think the For me, I think the biggest thing uh, was just how on point the comedy was like it was very well written and like comedy can be a very hit or miss thing. I was actually recently, well, you and I were asked recently uh, the question comedy or horror. And I I went with horror because good horror is good and bad horror is also good. Good comedy is good, but bad comedy is bad. Um, like, so basically to say, even if a horror movie's bad, I can still find enjoyment in it. But if a movie is supposed to be a comedy and it's unfunny, it just does not hit. It falls flat on its face. And thankfully, Barbie was not that. I, I don't know that it was I mean, it it was marketed as kind of being tongue in cheek. I don't know that it was outright marketed as a comedy, but I would consider it um, at least one of the genres, a comedy. And because there was a lot of funny moments. And the thing is, uh, most of it was just like excellent. It was really excellent writing. And everybody played it uh, with just enough seriousness as far as the characters go that um the jokes landed like the the characters themselves right. weren't in on the jokes meanwhile you have the narrator um and the, the narrator played yes played by dame helen Mirren. uh she even went so far as to break the fourth wall and she was right there winking along with all of us so i just i i love that um you know the comedy, whether it's from the narrator or the character, is just really, really well done. Uh, how about you? Did did the comedy hit for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I uh, there was a lot of comedy. I felt like even in just the opening, you know, they kind of do this thing. I, I would even say there's a lot of notes I feel like from the Lego Movie uh, about mm-hmm. this, and I know Chris saw that, so he could probably just picture uh what you know the movie was about but like it starts off by just showing you like this world of where barbie lives and how the how the world works and it kind of sets the tone and then they play it back a second time but there's you know the beats are a little off this time when they go through the second time of the day and you know even then i, I was cracking up and laughing because you know the opening song uh poor timing for for lizzo and lizzo fans out there but uh it's a song by lizzo and, um, you know, it, she just kind of also breaks the fourth wall by like checking in on Barbie and being like, you know, are you okay? And then just like continuing kind of the vibe of, of bringing into that world. Um, you know, and there's, there, I think a lot of the comedy for me works really well in the Barbie world. Um, you know, I, this movie kind of breaks down into you know, not similar, not dissimilar to Oppenheimer and very, very similar themes along with Oppenheimer, but, you know, we go, barbie world real world barbie world um and the barbie world stuff works really well for me uh i found the ken stuff to be a little bit more funny um and i think that a lot of the ken stuff as as you mentioned i didn't go into this movie being like my my memories of barbie let me recount them um i do that similarly with the marvel movies i go in and i you know there's characters introduced and i'm like oh my times with you know uh ant-man I, I love them so i i have no idea so um you know for me there was a lot of ken stuff which you know is kind of just played basically as as a man um and thinking about so you know when you're a young teenager and i kind of relate ken to that um of just like you know uh maybe not you know the best you know the smartest person when it came to women and men you know in the world but uh you know i found the ken stuff outside in the uh, real world to be uh, to be pretty funny but yeah humor on point. Uh, Definitely a very funny movie. And as you mentioned, tongue in cheek, you know, I don't think this movie was ever going to take itself uh, super seriously. Um, You know, and I'm glad they, they had a lot of fun with it. And, you know, the, the writers, Greta Gerwig obviously directed the movie, but also wrote the movie with her husband, Noah Baumbach, um, you know, as well in regards to that. So, uh, you know, kudos to them on, uh, on keeping up on uh, writing really well for movies.
0: Sure um so i i wanted to touch base on the cast uh and there there was a pretty big cast uh big list of names here but first and foremost margot robbie as barbie um i'm still up in the air if this is the best performance i've seen from her so far Um, it's definitely top three but it it are you went on well Itanya guy? One. Have
2: you seen Itanya? I did. Yeah, that's okay. one of them. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. Did um, she win an
1: award for Itanya, or she, she was nominated, but she won Best Actress? I don't believe so. But in I'll, this, I'll in my silence, I can look it up. You guys. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Thank sorry. You. <laughs> this is why I figured I just say easier to ask her. <laughs> how about how about, <laughs> you,
2: how about next computer? time you look it up first, and then let us know if she if she did win it. <laughs> sorry,
0: <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, so. So her performance just outstanding, not only um, playing that iconic character, bringing the funny, but also uh, bringing the emotionality. Like when Barbie comes into the real world and she has her first um, interactions, you know, she's kind of weirdly feeling icky and rightfully mm. so by uh, by the way that actual real people are reacting to her and then um when she meets uh ariana greenblatt's character um the uh the little girl for the first time um and she gets just verbally eviscerated uh you know Margot starts to crack some tears and you kind of you feel that heartbreak even if it feels good in a place like this you know <laughs> it's nice. uh, yeah you like that my little Nicole Kidman shout out but uh but yeah no Margot really had the full range of emotions here and look I mean like I said the writing was great but her ability to deliver on that and and connect you the audience member and make you feel those things along with her uh was just it was really superb I was taken aback because I hadn't seen much of this side of her before in other roles um you know she's a fine actress she she has been but uh but this was much deeper than her usual stuff so uh that's my take on margo i want to run through some of the other cast too and then i'll get your thoughts on the cast here um the uh, the supporting cast was outstanding uh ryan gosling i think he seems to be getting the most praise for his role as ken uh most praise within the movie and some people even saying they could see him potentially being nominated for an award for this role. I don't know if I see that. Um, It certainly, it was a hell of a performance. He was very funny, very um, self unaware. And uh, it was just uh, fantastic to see Uh, a lot of emotions going on with him also while still trying to be, you know, the macho guy and, and also someone that is, uh, dependent without maybe realizing it initially. Yeah. Uh, Kate McKinnon as weird Barbie. I, uh, I turned to our buddy Dom before the movie and I said, honestly, the character I'm most looking forward to seeing is weird Barbie because I had seen like maybe one still of her character, but I had read a description of, you know, her being the Barbie that was used and abused and, hair cut up and marker all over her face and lipstick way out of line that type of stuff and um Kate McKinnon can um she can be great but sometimes she can way overstep that line and just uh, kind of go beyond and um she didn't do that here she kept it like perfectly balanced in terms of the comedy it it wasn't cringeworthy by being too bombastic it was like it was just enough and delivery you know look and all well i mean look is more hair and makeup um but uh, she was she was outstanding so i really really enjoyed seeing weird barbie uh michael Sarah as alan absolutely fantastic i think maybe a lot of people's favorite uh side character from the movie um it's very much a michael sarah role i don't think he i don't think acting wise he he went out on a limb or stretched his yeah. chops per se but um the stuff that he had he you know he knocked out of the park he he did exactly what was needed and uh and you know delivered those lines as michael sarah y as he could uh we also had simu liu as Ken <laughs> yes another Ken uh he was good you know there wasn't there wasn't a ton of substance there um but I think as a rival to Ryan Gosling's Ken very funny uh they had a lot of good interplay and um kind of frenemies I guess would be the word mm-hmm. but uh but he really delivered and also uh, very cool to see these guys um performing in you know dance and and song numbers too uh, they really Love gave it. it their gusto, and it um, it looked fantastic. Uh, there wasn't there wasn't any um, awkwardness. Like all of these motions looked like they were natural. So kudos to the talent, uh, the actors for pulling that off. Uh, just a couple more, real quick. Issa Rae as is President Barbie, fantastic. I'm a huge Issa Rae fan. Give me more Issa Rae. I need I need to see her in more roles. I'm not saying she's like a superb actor, but again, just like the stuff that she gets, uh, for me, she, she kind of, she brings a, uh, a fun and, um, uh, different take on things. So I really liked seeing her in a empowering role and we had Helen Mirren as the narrator. Like I said, she was fantastic. Um, <clears throat> spoken uh or all her lines spoken tongue-in-cheek and and really uh had some very funny asides in the dialogue performance was just spot on uh I actually I had trouble placing who was doing the voice at first I thought it might have been Judy Dench when I saw yeah when I saw Helen Mirren in the credits I'm like that's who it was um but outstanding and then uh the last one I wanted to touch on for me anyway, was uh, probably maybe a controversial one um, or maybe not controversial polarizing, I think would be the better word. And that would be Will Ferrell as uh, the CEO of Mattel. And so very kind of similar to a role he played in the Lego movie. And I know there was, you know, kind of a lot of uh, discussion about that, but um, I found him pretty funny. I think of the cast, um, or the big names in the cast, maybe he might have been the weakest, but and look, he's he's doing his typical Will Ferrell shtick where it's 100%. like everything's kind of uh, you know, said with a, a spry, upbeat attitude, uh, and just kind of silly, goofy to the max. But I still enjoyed it, like it, it was a hundred percent in his bag, um, and You know, take that for what it is. But as a huge fan of, like, you know, his, especially like mid 2000s, mid to late 2000s run of movies where, you know, we're talking old school elf and like all this stuff. Uh, um, Blades of, was it Blades of Glory? Blades of Glory, right? Yeah, like all of that, dude. He was, he was having a monster run. And like this, this role would fit in perfectly with that type of stuff. Uh, But, so it might not have been anything different for him, but it was still enjoyable for me. I was still chuckling and instead of rolling my eyes. So mission accomplished hair, uh, what are your thoughts on the cast? Any standouts or, or weak spots for you?
2: Yeah. I mean uh, you hit on a lot of the main players in the movie. Um, you know, Michael Sarah as Alan um, I've always thought of myself as an Alan in my later years um, and uh, very much a Ken in the younger years. Um but, yeah, Michael Sarah, I'm never going to be upset when uh, he has a role in any movie, especially something as fun as this. And I think he, as you said, he makes the most of it. Um Kate McKinnon's Weird Barbie, that was a fun little uh, nod to any kid who was ever creative. You know, that's something I can relate to, you know, when you have your action figures or whatever, or, you know, you have two of the same and it's like, well, let me try to put a wig on this one or let me, you know, this one, you know, I guess there's all there's a little sit in us, you know what I mean, from Toy Story, <laughs> and you just create your own little weird action figures. Um, one character you didn't uh, mention who gets a, a lot of... Uh, I don't want to say a lot of the important key moments, but America, uh, Ferreira, um, and kind of, uh, her speeches during the movie and as well as her kind of role, um, which I wish, I guess I don't wish they expanded upon a little bit more, but I think maybe, maybe spent a little bit more time with, um, but it's, you know, very relatable. She plays the kind of fish out of water in the Barbie world as a regular human. Um, you know, uh, and then, uh, just touching on the main two with Gosling and Robbie, before I go back to the, your Will Ferrell point. Um, I, it was one, I was a Ken, I came out of the movie and I was, I was very much, you know, in support of Ryan Gosling um, and being the best part about the movie, surprisingly. And then the more I sat with it, the more I read, the more I listened to, you know, and the more I saw scenes online, um, you know, and thinking back on it, I don't think there's any bigger movie star that we have than Margot Robbie. Um, You know, and I think this just like this not not that I wasn't already, but I think at this point it's like any movie she's in, uh, you know, has got to be worth checking out um, or heading out to the theater for me, Um, no matter how small, no matter how big. You know, part of the reason why Greta Gerwig was the director and writer of this film is because of Margot Robbie's production company helping to push, you know, uh, having her do it. Um, And Chris, do we have uh, only nominated, never won, right? She did not um, win for I, Tanya. That went to Frances McDormand for yeah. like three billboards outside. yeah that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, take that one back. You know, Frances already got a couple. Uh, and she got another one after that for Nomadland, too. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I think Margot Robbie uh, is probably one of the biggest, you know, blockbuster type uh, actresses out there. I love Babylon. I know you guys haven't seen it. Uh, I'm a Babylon head, so check that out. She's great in that as well. Um, and then with Will Ferrell, um, you mentioned, you mentioned the Lego movie role. Um, that was kind of it for me where I feel like he had a better, uh, a better understanding of, of that character in a way. I I thought some of the Mattel as him, as the CEO stuff kind of worked or at least was funny as, as we've talked about, but as far as like how it worked with the flow of the movie, I wasn't really a hundred percent behind it. Um, and that's the kind of the, the only ding for me in a movie that I that I uh really, really enjoyed uh for it. So yeah, um agreed with the rest of the characters that you mentioned. Um I mean we could go on. One of the one of the funny things about this movie is in the end credits, they literally list everybody uh, with the actor and actress's names, and they just have either Barbie next to it or Ken. Um, or Alan um so it's really funny when you're watching the credits and it's literally just like the first nine is like Barbie 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 Ken Ken Barbie Barbie Ken Ken um so it was uh that was that was uh, a nice laugh after the movie um in regards to it
0: cool um production design absolute aces yeah like the the Barbie world stuff just it it looked Picture perfect, like it looked like living in a fantasy land made of toy, um, but still like realistic enough so that it's not jarring, but also kind of like you're right there amongst the dolls. Uh, very, very unique and fun, and uh, just looks spectacular. I don't care if it caused a shortage of pink in the world. <laughs> uh, well worth it. Uh, pink everything. Let's let's go. Uh but yeah no Uh, production design was was phenomenal and 100% uh,
2: agree 100% agree. Uh
0: they just they knocked it out of the park <laughs> let's, there. So let's see that Oscar astronom- uh, for that. Would we'll love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so something that I found interesting with this is throughout the course of the movie uh the setting kind of changes from the initial Barbie world uh where we meet Barbie and and all the Barbies and the Kens and then barbie and ken go to the real world and i think most movies where you have kind of like a similar premise it would just stop there uh at least maybe until the very end where the the visitors go back home but this took a turn where you know maybe like half an hour 45 minutes after being in the real world they head back to barbie world and then the final act takes place there and uh that was really cool. I I enjoyed that because look, if I'm watching a Barbie movie, give me Barbie world, man. Like that's yeah. what I want to see. I, I deal with the real world every day of my life. I want to go to Barbie world. So uh, I was happy that they, they went back there. And again, tying back to the production do- design being so absolutely gorgeous. It's like, yeah, give me more of that. I want to see that. Like you put in that, all that love and effort and care. Let's make that a major part of the movie. So very happy that it kind of uh, bucked the the trend to just take, you know, a fictional character and put them in the real world. And that's that. Um, so cool to see. And Hey, look, uh, whether it's Barbie's dream house or uh, <laughs> mojo, dojo, casa house, i am in it. either way. Is that but, from Barbie? Yeah.
1: Is that, is yes. that I've, yeah. I've been
0: seeing that everywhere. And it is. I, 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 so okay. uh, when, when, when Ken takes over uh, Barbie world where the Ken's, I should say uh, Ryan Gosling's Ken takes over Barbie's Malibu dream house and renames it his mojo dojo casa house. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which is fantastic. And of course, you know, all over the place. So he puts all like neon beer signs and a saloon door and like, you (laughs) know, pinball arcade games and stuff like it's, it's fantastic. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh production design, the the Barbie world and real world and back to Barbie world. Absolutely love that. Um what about you, Harry? What what kind of stuff did you like with the film? Yeah. so um
2: I you know, I know we talked uh or obviously Hans has mentioned he hasn't seen it, but I'm sure he saw the early photos of Barbie with the skating uh, you know, leotard's on or whatever it was with them in Malibu. Mm-hmm. Um so I was really happy to see that that was early in the movie uh just because you know i'm i i honestly i didn't really watch the barbie trailer um either time for either one of them either i was i show up late to movies as best i can to avoid those um so i wasn't 100 sure you know where things were going to be in the movie or what the movie was about um and i like i said i really did enjoy that kind of fish fish out of water you know when they when it focuses on barbie and ken being in uh the real world especially with ken discovering himself slash the patriarchal system um he's obviously observing the men in the real world and seeing how many advantages (laughs) and how things are kind of handed to uh to men um and the
0: horses my god the horses yeah the horses (laughs) yeah
2: um so i really enjoyed that uh you know there was there was also towards the end of the movie, I know this was kind of circulating uh, maybe a day or two before the movie came out, but a Ken performance, a kind of Ken sing along centered with Gosling. Um, you know, I was glad I didn't like see that or, you know, listen too closely to that one. Um, you know, that came towards the end of the movie, which was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, who knew Ryan Gosling? Such a showman um, in regards to that. Uh, there's a really great scene as well um, with uh, Matchbox 20 song, uh, Push, uh, and uh, it works out perfectly in the movie. Um, as uh, growing up, uh, knowing some friends, one of them on this podcast by the name of Chris Hanratty, who had his Facebook photo uh, with him and a guitar one time for a long time. Uh, I don't know if he practiced Matchbox, Chris. Were you were you practicing oh. the Matchbox? Full disclaimer.
1: Um, yes, I that picture was up for a while. I do not know how to play the guitar, and I never had. <laughs>
2: <laughs> also, uh, shout out to Frank. that makes it even um, better. Shout out to my friend Frank. Later in uh, you know, teenagerhood slash early adulthood, he was uh big in the playing the guitar and the sultry tunes. So, um, yeah, that was just a a great scene there. Um, there's also a funny one when uh when they are trying to, when the men are watching the Godfather and explaining the, the Godfather and how important of a movie it is. And, you know, while I hadn't seen that movie until uh, most recently, I think only about two years ago, there's definitely been movies that I've definitely had a conversation with uh, women or, you know, my wife and been like, you don't understand how important this is. So that one hit uh, a little close to home uh, and was absolutely hilarious uh, in regards to that. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I go back to a lot of the humor in this and, you know, we were ta- you talked earlier, Greg, about comedy and horror. And like, I think when a, when a good humorous movie hits, uh, there's nothing like it being in the theater. I know scary movies can hit those highs as well, but for me, it's just sharing a laugh and, you know, um, hearing everyone around you, you know, laugh. Uh, it's just, there's nothing like it. So, um yeah those were kind of some scenes that stuck out to me um but you know i know you know when we talk about kind of when we get to this kind of end you know last act uh you know this movie this movie does what i think a lot of movies struggle to do and that's hit the heights of the humor hit the heights of the fun but also hit the heights of of the heart you know i went to you know we mentioned a little bit haunted mansion or chris made a slight at it and i think haunted mansion is funny I think haunted mansion is entertaining in some moments, but it doesn't have the heart. And that's something that I think is, you know, missing from that movie. Um, and it, it takes that movie from, you know, possibly being one of the greats or one of the fun movies of the summer to down to just, yeah, it's average. Um, so yeah, I, I know you wanted to touch base on it, Greg. So I'll throw it back to you to kind of, you know, wrap up the movie a little bit, um, you know, on our final points for it. Cause this movie has a lot of heart.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Just to rewind a little bit on a couple things that I I forgot to mention, but but I thought were interesting. Um, The one thing I think that grossed me out more than anything in this movie was, uh, I don't know if it was every scene that was in the Mattel CEO's boardroom, but at least several of them where there was a shot of the Warner Brothers Discovery building in the background oh did, wow did that stick out to you no I, I don't think i caught that oh yeah it was very clearly displayed and uh yeah. every single time i saw that you know will will ferrell's in the foreground talking in the background outside the uh the skyscraper window yeah. you see uh warner brothers discovery logo in the background on a building and then their mojo dojo just instant-
2: casa house
0: yeah, just instant gag reflex and eye roll. It's like, come on, gross! Like we don't need that. Uh, hands, just something to keep an ear out for when you do watch it. There's a good natured shot at Zack Snyder's Justice League. Really dug that. Hey. That popped me. I've I heard about this. Everyone was talking about it, uh, and I'm I'm I don't
1: know whether or not I want to find it and di- like if it's worth waiting or finding like a copy of it on Twitter somewhere or a video. But I've heard. It's one of the uh, like one of the highlights of the movie of
0: how I think they there was, some claps, the think there was yeah. some claps in the theater. I think there was some claps in the theater yeah. when they said it. Uh. I think it's just I mean it's it's very very brief and it's not anything terrible at all. Uh, but it it in fact it's more a dig on men than it is that movie. Yeah, I would agree. But um, but it was just it was very unexpected. Like Long I point. did not see that coming, and boy, it loved it. Absolutely loved it
1: yeah Uh, i i I heard good i i i I might i might track try and track it down tonight but it's been two weeks it'll probably be on twitter
0: yeah i'm sure it will as as Um, gregor wig intended me to watch this movie (laughs) so uh yeah you know those were just oh and i'm sorry um one other thing too the big climactic beach battle uh absolutely love that where you know they're shooting plunger arrows or whatever and there's a giant dance off like perfect just stunning yeah absolutely stunning uh so job well done there um the, the movie it's just it's so darn good uh we talked about it being a comedy but there's a lot of themes in there themes of purpose and and uh sense of belonging um sex and, and patriarchy like hair said and even you know becoming more or you know being considered more uh barbie can is considered an icon and she's thinking she's having one impact on the world. And then, um, you know, she meets uh, someone who is quite the opposite. She's kind of um, railing against Barbie now that she's growing up and, and what Barbie stands for. And uh, I mean, even with the, the ending there's, there's kind of some homage to Pinocchio, you know, kind of wanting to become a real person Uh, and not just a plastic figure Um, being someone who has their own agency and, and has free will and able to, uh, to live a full real life as opposed to just being in a fantasy land. So yeah, all of that very unexpected. Oh, and by the way, that shot um, when Barbie was deciding whether or not to become human and she's kind of seeing, all of these women and girls lives through her eyes and yeah, tears are flowing just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I'm kind of yeah. getting goosebumps now talking about it. Just uh really, really well done. So love that. And you know, along those lines, touching, beautiful, much deeper than expected. I, I did not go in here thinking that these themes were going to be present. I thought it was going to be a fun, um B movie feeling comedy or you know just uh, maybe some some adventure. Um and I was pleasantly surprised and taken aback uh by how what was incorporated in this. And I look as much as we give the studios crap right now, and rightfully so for everything that's going on with the strikes, um I gotta give props to both Mattel and Warner Brothers uh, or Warner Brothers discovery for kind of allowing this vision of Barbie to come into place because I feel like most studios would say hey this is a hot IP um your take is drastically different than you know what we would normally see for something like this uh, but instead of putting the clamps down on it it feels like they let Greta do her thing and uh instead we get this absolutely marvelous one of a kind movie. So I'm I'm very thankful. And hey, look, also great case for less studio interference, right? Let's yeah. let's let these creatives make magic and just be hands off and and trust that most of the time they're going to do right by the characters.
2: Yeah. No, I think that's very well said. Um, You know, I would like to see even more of it. You know, the fact that Mattel decides to, uh, you know, approve the scenes that they're in um, where maybe they could have taken a couple more shots, uh, I feel, for for that. So, but like you said, I mean, letting Greta kind of have the final note of the movie, you know, and not trying to push themselves in there. Um, You know, the the movie for me is a, a lot about identity and purpose, And, you know, uh, for lack, you know, uh, as, as a, as a, as a white male, uh, you know, it's a lot about how hard it is being a woman, uh, in, in the world. Um, and, you know, just try to be an ally out there, try to be, try to listen, uh, definitely more, uh, in, in regards to that and just try to be, try to try to help and try to understand. And, uh, you know, I think this movie, you know, as you mentioned it, Greg is, it's fun. It's poppy. I mean, he- heck, it even has a, you know, uh, gratuitous, uh, what was the vehicle, but a car scene where you can definitely see what type of a uh, model car, uh, they're trying to promote in this movie. And, you know, all the big blockbusters have that for the summer. So, you yeah. know, uh, it's nice to see that there. Um, but yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope Greta gets to do you know bigger and better things. You know, uh, Margot Robbie must see TV as far as I'm concerned. Ryan Gosling, the sillier the better, pal. Um, you know, the nice guys. This, um, you know, let's let's just keep you continuing to do that. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention before closing out, I think Mark Ronson helped with the soundtrack of this and. Man, if there's anything I love more than pop music, I don't know what it is. Um this soundtrack slaps, it's very poppy, it's very catchy. Um uh loved it, played over and over. Dua Lipa, a star in the movie and a star in my heart, and a star song on the soundtrack. Um absolutely, you know, a go getter as far as that's concerned. So um I give this movie uh four and a half out of five stars. As I mentioned, some of the real world stuff and the Mattel stuff kind of just didn't didn't work for me as much as I had wanted it to. Um, but, you know, uh, still, I think this is a special movie worth seeing and worth uh, getting out to the theater for.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, well said. Um, something else I just thought of, which I, I totally forgot to mention, is that initial teaser trailer um, has the the big 2001 uh, Space yeah, Odyssey opening. reference. Yeah, the and homage. Yeah, I thought for sure that was just uh, uh, made specifically for the trailer scene, which doesn't happen often, but sometimes it does. Uh, and then I was pleasantly surprised to see it actually in the movie and incorporated. And uh, even better, um, it was extended beyond what was shown in the trailer. And it was yeah. still funny. So really happy with that. Um, quick question. Uh, sequel would you would you want one if so you know what what type of direction would you take it
2: so obviously we're you know kind of uh full spoiler here you know we have as we as we have been i would take it but i think one of the things that you mentioned that you loved about it is being in the barbie world um so i don't know how much time we would spend in there you know if if barbie is trying to live in the real world um you know and give that a shot um but I think there's some bones there for a sequel, um, so I I wouldn't listen. <laughs> you know, I'm take my money. Um, I'm there. Sign me up. Let's get these actors back in. Let's get these writers in. Let, let's carve it up, baby. Uh, but uh, in regards to a sequel, I would be in. I would just you know be interested as to you know what what story are we telling here? Because being in the Barbie world is a lot more fun than being in the real world, as you said, Greg. What about for you?
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would be interested in a sequel with the caveat that Greta or someone equally talented returns to Helmet. Um, I just I don't want this to fall into sequelitis, and I'm sure, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery probably seeing those dollar signs pop up on their eyeballs right now, and it's like, hey, how can we get this lit up? Um, it's interesting. How can we because- get more Max
2: subscribers. Let's make a nine episode <laughs> series, Barbie
0: right right hey give me that midge series i want to know midge next. Yeah. <laughs> hey midge um <laughs> uh, so the interesting thing though is because of how the movie ends with margot robbie's bobby margot robbie's barbie <laughs> barbie there you go you found it uh, she she becomes a real woman and uh living in the real world and so it's like all right well if we go the sequel route do we follow those adventures? But like you mentioned, yeah. Barbie world is really where it's at. So like part of me wants to say, no, let's just follow the adventures of another Barbie um, in Barbie world. But then it's like, Oh yeah, it's such a great job with this. I don't want to see her missing from the next movie. So I yeah. don't know. I'm not a, I'm not the creative type, so I'm
2: sure they would have a, a nice balance of like, hey, this is what this Barbie's dealing with. This is what margo and bouncing back and forth. Because um, there's no way, like, you know, you're you're keeping those sets on hold and can't wait to use them again. In my opinion, so right for sure, yeah.
0: um Okay, uh, as far as yeah, rating, yeah. um So I am giving this 4.25 stars out of five, but I'm also going to preface that with I think I need to give this another watch because I might whenever I do watch it and it it will happen again. I don't know if it's going to be when it comes out on streaming or physical media, whatever, but I I certainly will watch it. Um, I have a feeling I might actually bump that score up to four point five. I think you were on that uh, the train there. And um, yeah. I was that was initially what I was thinking for a score, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm just giving it too much credit because it's so new, and it's like I just got out of this amazing theater experience. Yeah, it's tough feeling all those things. Yeah, riding the high. So I want to sit with it and revisit it a couple months down the line and see if it still holds up. But, um, but yeah, four point two five for now. Maybe it'll it'll get get bumped Listen, up next time.
2: Look forward to our future episode where we all rent it together and we have a sleepover and we hang out together, the three of us, and uh,
0: you know, Barbie revisited. I can't wait for that podcast. Absolutely. Um, all right. So before we shift gears into Oppenheimer, uh, just wanted to talk about something. So kind of related to the the whole Barbenheimer phenomenon here. Uh Hare mentioned that we were really trying to plan around a uh, double feature. Unfortunately, the times didn't work for that, but I was really kind of uh, worried because I have a pretty busy life. I'm constantly on the move um, up until like eight o'clock when I plump down or plunk down and watch my uh, nightly movie. But Look, I don't get a ton of sleep, and during the day, uh, especially you know having a kid, um, I can get pretty tired. And so I was like, "How am I going to do a, a Barbenheimer double feature?" Um, you know, where am I going to get that energy from? I'm not a coffee drinker. I drink energy drinks uh, usually one in the morning, and that'll get me through the work day, And then <laughs> I'm kind of left to fend for myself, staying awake at night and the prospect of having this double feature pop up had me worried. It's like, all right, how am I not going to pass out in the theaters? So I was looking at different uh, alternatives for energy and uh, I came across a, um, a little solution. Uh, Now I didn't want to take another energy drink in the evening because um, you know, that the energy drinks one as itself makes me jittery, but That's where I found this little shot that kind of helped solve the problem. And that was uh, Magic Mind. Um, So Magic Mind, very, very interesting here. Uh, It's uh, this little, like I said, shot, a little drink. And it's kind of like a supplement. It could be used in... What's that? Little two ounces. Yeah, yeah. Very, very tiny. It could be used as a supplement to... Uh, your caffeine in the morning, or you could just kind of take it on its own. But it really helped me out. Um, You know, I didn't get to use it for Barbenheimer, but I have been uh, taking it with my morning energy drinks uh, the last few days. And it's actually really kind of uh, been great. And, you know, normally, these type of things I'm a little wary about, but I decided to give it a shot. And, it has uh, given me mental energy and focus. Uh, it's kind of like an energy drink for the mind, and it's kind of crazy because when I drink the energy drinks, I get like uh, almost kind of like some negative side effects. Like, it, yeah, it helps caffeinate me and and you know gives me that jump start, but it also kind of gives me headaches and I get jittery. Like I said, and even makes my uh, my tummy rumbly on occasion, (laughs) but uh, I swear, I swear it's crazy. Uh, I took this magic mind stuff along with my energy drinks and all of those side effects have kind of gone away, um, which is pretty wild. And like I said, it's kind of helped me improve my focus. So rather than kind of feeling icky from these sugary uh, energy drinks, I'm feeling, I get the benefit of the energy from the caffeine, but then also the clarity uh, for Magic Mind to kind of get into my flow. Um, so at this point, you're probably like, what is he talking about? <laughs> what What is Magic Mind? What's in it? Well, it's got all natural ingredients uh, sourced from the best suppliers that we could find. There's no sugar in it. It's nut free. It's vegan, keto, paleo friendly, all that good stuff. Uh, there's a couple different ingredients. I'm just going to give you guys some of them. Matcha, it's nature's extended release caffeine. Uh, Caffeine from matcha takes longer to release and helps to reduce stress. It's got ashwagandha, which was used medicinally since 6,000 BC. If this stuff has been used for 8,000 years, it's probably pretty good. Spoiler alert, it is. Uh, uh, Ashwagandha is an adaptogen that reduces stress and anxiety. And it's also got uh, my favorite ingredient here, lion's mane mushrooms, Ooh. the fluffiest mushroom out there. Uh, lion's mane mushrooms are a nootropic and adaptogen, and they reduce anxiety and inflammation while supporting cognition by preventing neural degeneration and stimulating neural regeneration. So lots of benefits from all of these ingredients. Um, if you're like me, and you're looking for something to kind of take away those negative side effects of your morning cup of Joe or your morning energy drink, I totally recommend you try this. You can get it at magicmind, That's M-A-G-I-C, M-I-N-D.com slash Papa Spice, P-A-P-S-P-I-C-E. So again, that's magicmind/ slash Papa Spice. And you can use our code. HOT20 HOT20 uh you get up to 56% off your first subscription or 20% off your one-time purchase that's HOT20 HOT20 for 56% off it also works if you're already a subscriber so you can save on your next subscription payment i totally stand behind this and i promise you guys i would not recommend something if it didn't work uh, it helps me, it has been, so I am getting the word out to you guys. And if you're having trouble being at 100% some days too, I would really encourage you to try it. So again, you can go to magicmind.com slash pop spice and use our discount code hot 20, H-O-T two zero for up to 56% off the subscription. I'd get the 30 pack if I was you, it's the best value. Uh, so, Magic Mind. Appreciate the love, but it's time. It's time to get down with Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan's latest epic. Let's bring back our boy, Hans, as you sat patiently. Listen, we're taking, him, we're taking him out of the segment. Pet. Get the right yes, up.
1: get them up. I'm back. Yeah. You should play that news music. You should do another <laughs> news. <laughs> <laughs> That's the news theme. It's not the hands
2: theme. It There's should be dip. the hands theme.
1: You should have played like like Stone Cold music on. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> love it. Honestly, um, hands.
2: If you, if you weren't married, that might be uh this what we have you walk out to uh you know before before everybody else comes out, just you walking out to your news music. So.
0: That's Actually, fair. yeah, that, that would be great.
1: Uh, I'm going well, to have okay. something that said that every time I get to my desk, it plays that. And people just I want people around me to wonder what, the, what what's going on.
0: So, Oppie, Oppenheimer, um, let's talk. Uh, so this is getting a ton of love uh, all around. Hans, uh, since you were kind of um, on the bench for the last round, why don't you kick us off here? What are your initial impressions and thoughts about Oppenheimer? Alright, let's let let me
1: preface by saying I've I'm on the record on this podcast many a times of trolling and saying I am not a Christopher Nolan fan. That's a lie. I am a Christopher Nolan fan. I like break bust and chops. I'm 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 here for the clicks, to be honest, people. I'm here for the clicks. Yeah, I hate, it. Truth will I hate truthful set free. It. Yeah. I hate it. Um so I I and I, I still stand by my 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 point that the Dark Knight is an overrated movie, but that's beside the point. Um so Oppenheimer, I was uh, I was very I, I would troll a lot with this and say call it Krappenheimer or something silly like that because just because I um I, I like to I like to cause a little little stir with Harry. Uh, I was say completely you hate me. wrong. Just say you hate me.
2: It's fine. I Hate
1: you. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> no, I I was completely wrong and, and and I and I wish I could go back in time and slap myself a few months ago by saying that this movie is probably my, I would, I would say Nolan's best movie, but not my favorite, but it is, it is a fantastic movie. Um, for those who are not familiar or haven't watched TV or, or another movie or anything of what this is about, this is about the, uh, Robert Oppenheimer who creates or helps create the, um, the atomic bomb in Los Alamos, a little town that he built in, in new mexico uh so there's tons of footage like real life footage about this uh his his studies and invention go on to create the atomic bomb that was dropped in nagasaki and hiroshima which you know it changed the world of of weaponized warfare um and it it's it moved you know we really don't know what the end and cause of his results going to be, but we get a couple different stories going on where it's uh, it's Oppenheimer building the bomb, along with security clearance meeting or um, a security clearance hearing, uh, whether or not to revoke his uh, his his status based on affiliations with communist party and whether or not he leaked secrets to to the Soviets, and uh, another story with Levi uh, Strauss who is I guess you can call him Oppenheimer's enemy uh, sure uh, however you want to um you know he's sort of the man behind the curtain to uh, use a Wizard of Oz reference but these three stories are going on you know at different points in time but they're they you know they tie the story together of how Oppenheimer you know really wants to build this but it seems that at, at one point he realizes that, you know, there's the the Jeff Goldblum quote from Jurassic Park. Uh, if I if I get this wrong, it's just an, it, What is it? Just doesn't just because you could doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. So Oppenheimer starts to live with his 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 I don't know if guilt's the right word, but his fear that what he's doing could end up being in the wrong hands could end up causing the end of the world. Um, so we get to see a lot of different angles and a lot of different people. Um, I didn't know, I I knew Oppenheimer's name probably, I don't know, probably said his name three times in my life before I saw this movie, uh, was, was being made. Um, you know, I didn't know who created the, the, the hydrogen or atomic bomb. I didn't, I didn't know. I just knew it was tested in New Mexico. Uh. I didn't know his affiliations with Albert Einstein. All the stuff you don't, you don't. There's so much. That's why I'm starting to get more into biopics because a lot of these interesting characters, um, or people, real not characters, real life people, have these backstories that that are so fulfilling to to really get to know. And whether or not they're true, or you know, well, I'm sure we'll talk. There's a couple things that I know that. It came out with Oppenheimer's descendants. They said that may not have been true, and whatever. They still like the movie, so get over it. It's it's no one can do what he wants, and if he wants to make up stories, it's fine. Um, But
0: you know, I love I love by the way you going from. I hate Nolan and his movies too. Nolan can do what he wants. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I, I, and that's why I say I troll a lot because it's really just get right. under Harry's skin. Um, but once we d- I, I know we're probably going to go over a little bit of a Nolan recap really quick and some of his movies towards the the end of this discussion. Um, but I, I, Nolan's not a bad director. I just you know I I I, I got it. Blowing it's, praise. It's, it's called hot takes. <laughs> I got to do what I got to do it for clicks. Um, so. I, I, it, it really is, but like I said, it's interesting to kind of see a lot of the stuff. I There's a lot of talking in this movie. This is not an action movie. This is not a, you know, the, the bomb explodes. That's pretty much the only action we get. This is all dialogue. 98% of this movie is dialogue. No, I'm sorry. 99% of the movie, 30 seconds of it is an explosion. because This is a long movie. Um, but it's... As I got older, I appreciate these movies more where it's dialogue and I actually have to pay attention because I feel like if I was 12 uh, or 13 watching this movie, I would, I, this would not be in my alley. This would not be up my alley at all. Um, but, it really surprised me. I didn't think it was going to be a bad movie because the one thing I do, I think Nolan does with original stories, and this isn't, I'm not, this isn't a trash Dark Knight segment, but I think a lot of his original movies are much are, are much superior to the Dark Knight trilogy or the Batman trilogy, where you know, Interstellar I think is phenomenal, uh, Inception I think these original ideas. Now, Oppenheimer isn't necessarily original, but it's his story, so I. I it's not a franchise movie, I guess, or based on an original or a, a comic character. Um, I think that's where he specializes in his storytelling, and I and that's why I was like really excited for this. I think the only miss for me was really kind of Dunkirk, but he he has a uh, he ha- definitely has a, a knack for telling these original stories, and the dude can shoot a movie like he can he 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 has a vision for what he wants and will do what he has to. To get these shots, there's no CGI in this movie, none. Which is, it goes to believe a lot of people actually thought he blew up a hydrogen bomb in the middle of New Mexico. I wouldn't doubt it. I really wouldn't. If he did it, they would probably let him. The government would be like, "All right, this movie's going to make what eighty million open a weekend. Go for it." Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I this is, I think this is going to go down as probably Nolan's greatest movie and he's a, he has a young career, but a lot of people are saying like, this is his magnum opus. And you know, this is at this point, like he's peaking at this point. Um, financially, he is outside of the dark Knight. This is his highest grossest movie outside of Batman. Um, so uh, we'll see. This is, this put him on a level. Like he was already pretty much high on a pedestal. He's much higher up there now. Like he's probably in a lot of people's eyes, the greatest filmmaker currently. And you know, once it's all said and done, he could end up being maybe the best. Like the he'll be up there with names like Spielberg and Scorsese. Um, but I mean, he just he just keeps going up. He, he I, I don't. I, I think this is this was definitely his best overall made movie. But um, you know, I'll throw it over to you guys. My initial my just as some initial thoughts. It just it, it, it it's hard to kind of go into because everyone listening this is a three and a this is three over three hours long this is if you like hearing people talk for three hours you are going to love this movie um with trailers it's like three and a half so just, just <laughs> yeah, buckle up buckle up um Harry what about you you're you're probably the biggest Nolan guy out of us three what were oh, your thanks. I know leading up to this you were all you were all about this like three years ago when he announced it
2: yeah, it's it's really hard because there's there's definitely an element of being a Nolan fan but not being a Nolan film bro. Um and I I try not to be that uh so you know when you say getting excited for this obviously I'm very excited whenever there's a Christopher Nolan movie out there because you know there's a, there's there's a couple things that you that you touch base on and one of the main things that I took from this movie after seeing it was Nolan is is one of those rare filmmakers who can make a movie like this and be as good as it is. And what I mean by that is, you mentioned it's three hours. It's a bi it's a biography of Oppenheimer in a way, um, and it's based off of uh, the book American Prometheus or the memoir, I guess. Maybe I, I don't want to. It's get that it's an autobiography. Actually, I'm I'm currently reading it. Oh, nice! Look at you. You always. I read the it. forward, Double so I'm,
1: I'm. I'm. I read the forward, so I'm, I'm on the right. Yeah, you, the got right toes, you got that your toes. You got your toes. That was three weeks water. ago. I, yeah. I, I, could, I should. I should be
2: done the book by
1: uh, yeah. end of the year.
2: Chris brought it for a beach read, and then Finn was rolling around by the rocks, and he had to go make sure he was okay. Like he's just um, starting
1: to build Los Alamos. What are you yeah. doing? Stop. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I mean, you know, in just thinking about this movie afterwards, there's you know when we like and there's a lot of parallels with with barbie for me where you know margot robbie is must see tv and, and christopher nolan for me is must see uh you know box office uh, so you know the, there's also the element you mentioned a little bit about the box office success of this you know i i think he doesn't get enough credit for trying to bring people back to the movies with Tenet and you know that movie didn't make it any money because of how it was released um in regards to that and uh yeah this movie to me is just uh it, it really moves it doesn't apologize as you mentioned if you can't keep up with the dialogue and there's so much fast-paced cutting in the beginning of the movie um it felt a lot like the social network to me with the dialogue um you know aaron sorkin type you know script uh, in a way of just kind of keeping this thing moving um my biggest takeaway after the movie was didn't feel like three hours um you know we would i think a lot of times you know and i'll, I'll roll greg under the bus or, or papa under the bus for this is he's always the first one to be like pretty long it was long um you know and i'm always one for like making as long as you want so for me it didn't feel like three hours um because of just that fast-paced dialogue, especially in the beginning, the movie's kind of broken up into three parts. You know, we kind of get the early life of Oppenheimer up until you know he's at Caltech and they're kind of talking about this bigger picture with uh you know making the bomb. Then it jumps into the planning and the building of uh, Los Alamos and doing the Trinity test, and then that happens. And you know, uh, I, I've seen a lot of people out there who have been surprised at the uh, the tonal shift. Because the bomb happens about two hours into the movie, um, but I really, really enjoyed the tonal shift and kind of diving in um, to this movie, uh, and you know the kind of the aftermath of the bomb dropping um, in regards to it. And uh, yeah, my I was I was blown away uh, by it. Uh, there's definitely an interesting conversation that you started there, hands in regards to is this his. You know, best movie is it my favorite movie? Um, you know, stuff with Christopher Nolan. You know, there there is an element, definitely, I think, of Oscar talk. You know, come the time of the Oscar seasons for this movie in, in many different categories. Um, you know, but some sometimes the greats don't get rewarded uh, for that. They get rewarded later on for you know a movie that's great or good um you know but you know we we think back you know especially somebody like marty uh you mentioned earlier hands in regards to being honored for the departed but you know he has so many so many in the chamber uh from you know even before then so i'll throw it over to you papa to kind of get your initial thoughts uh of the movie and you know i know we've touched a little bit about you know how the movie stylized um so how did it feel for you Um, you know, I will mention too, I know Kristen mentioned it, but I know we all saw this in IMAX, uh, digital, uh, which, you know, I think if you can't make it to one of the 30 theaters in the entire world, uh, that's traditional film IMAX 70 millimeter. Uh, I think your next best bet is digital IMAX, uh, or laser. I think we saw it on laser. I should preface, uh, for all the film, film bros out there before they, they beat me up. So Papa, I'll throw it to you.
0: Sure. Um so initial thoughts, where to begin? Uh well, I loved the movie for sure. Amazing movie. Um but but I'm hey, kidding. this is hot takes. So <laughs> I'm going to start off with a scorching hot one. Um it adds to the complexity of the movie. But I overall I was not a fan of the story or the, the through lines, I guess of, um, oppies security clearance and Strauss's nomination to the cabinet. Interesting confirmation hearing. Yeah. Um, the movie's kind of framed around that it, it caps it both beginning and end. And then you you see various segments throughout the, the film flashing to moments, uh, of both of those proceedings. And I just felt like it. Number one, um, for me, the money here is the Trinity test, right? And yeah. then maybe, maybe a little after that, with Fat Man and Little Boy, you know, the creation of those and and bombing, and and then you can have like a postscript of, um, you know, this Oppenheimer regretted his choice for the end uh, till the end of his days, and you know, railed against nuclear proliferation and, and things of that nature um adding this stuff in this these two narratives of the security clearance and the the um the confirmation hearing just kind of um bloats the movie for me <laughs> interesting uh, yeah so for you this didn't feel like three hours for me it definitely did i was like i didn't check my phone because i do i do find that disrespectful um i will not check my phone to see what time it is if i'm in the theater unless i'm really um bored with the movie and (laughs) this movie did not bore me um but i also did feel like it was like oh it's kind of running a little bit long here and i think a lot of that was because of these side stories that um that weren't like the meat of it for me uh and you know as even though I disliked them or not disliked them, but I I feel like I feel like they were gratuitous. I'll say that even though I felt they were gratuitous, I can't knock them too much because number one, like I said, it does add to the complexity of the narrative rather than just a straightforward shot. And number two, the bulk of Robert Downey Jr.'s performance is in um, specifically the, the Strauss confirmation hearings. And I mean, he was phenomenal in the movie. There's not any other yeah. way around it. He was just, he gave a fantastic performance. I would be shocked if he is not nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And um, again, the bulk of his performance was in these scenes. So it's like, I really kind of wish it was a shorter movie. And I wish I wish um, it wasn't... Um, I think the focus should have been elsewhere on the story, but I'm happy with what we got. It I mean, it look, all all of this is uh not necessarily gonna be reflective of my score for the movie, but um I kinda wanted to start off hot and say Ooh, didn't agree I it. with that narrative choice. I mean
2: The only thing I would say to that is I think it's a fair criticism, um, even though I don't uh, 100% agree. Um, But I mean, this is also kind of the typical Nolan thing. I don't want to say every movie, but like you think about Memento, Inception, Tenet, like you have these movies that kind of intertwine Dunkirk, uh, you know, intertwine timelines and kind of go back and forth, uh, you know, dipping in a little bit or try to confuse you in a way. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. I think that's a a valid uh, criticism.
0: I mean Trinity test happens right and it's like cool movie's probably going to be wrapping up soon no sir no you got like an hour left maybe more (laughs) so
1: on your note of saying you don't check your watch or clock or or whatever time it is during the movie that's the only time I did check because I I I did check after after the Trinity thing and it was because it was so light and I didn't want to like you know that way, I wasn't. It wasn't like a dark scene. Everybody's so I, blinded I,
0: by the screen. Nobody will notice my a, phone.
1: Yeah. Um. So I looked, and and I think there's a good hour left. It's like yeah, 40, yeah. at least forty five minutes. And I and one hundred. Yeah. That's where I I I felt like it doesn't feel like three hours. To Harry's point, it, it's a nice three hours. It doesn't feel like it, but when the Trinity test hit, and I looked at my watch, like, there's still a whole hour left. And I'm glad that they the reason they went with that choice of doing that is I think a lot of movies where at least I like how they built with they they dealt with Oppenheimer's decision of of or at least his guilt and his um basically opposition to using this bomb moving forward because of what it could do. Normally movies like this, if it's a two, two hour, two and a half, two fifteen, 15, even two and a half, they rush through that last part and then throw it on the screen and say Oppenheimer opposed and uh, leading up to his death, Oppenheimer was opposed to the, the bombing or our future user. I, right. I, I think you can't waste acting talent like Killian Murphy in this movie or Robert Downey Jr. Where you need like those performances are probably the best of, of at least both of their careers. Um, that when you have that quality going and it's Nolan, it's kind of just let it roll. Just just throw everything in, make it four hours, and, and show every time Oppenheimer talked to every single person about how he wasn't a for it, and then show him until his death. like Make it four hours long. I don't care. I thought that last hour got really tense, especially with the hearing, um, the Security Council hearing, and then when Remy Malek shows up and, and – and, uh, and and Mike drops him and says, "Forget your shoes," and uh, and 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 walks out. <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought that those two. I thought you need that tension to build up because there, it's lead. At one point, you're lead. It's leading to something of why they're focusing on three different things. I love the tension that they put into it, and I, I appreciate that they told that story instead of just throwing words on a screen or just making Oppenheimer sit sitting on a bench somewhere and. You know, look out in the water, and it's like Oppenheimer was against it. said testing. Life is like a box, yeah. Like, <laughs> and then like you just show like like Einstein sit next to him, and like they don't talk and just out looking out in the water, and it's just Oppenheimer opposed the uh, nuclear testing and it's just in the fifties. Blah blah blah.
0: I disagree about the Strauss thing, though, because um there was never any point. Maybe, maybe in like the very first scene of the hearing. Uh, but beyond that, there was never any point where I thought anybody else could have given those papers to um, to David Desmalkian's character other than Robert Downey Jr. Like it was just clearly and like I'm as far as, you know, the history of R- J. Robert Oppenheimer, like, you know, I, I don't have a ton of insight into before the Manhattan Project or after the Manhattan Project. So I wasn't familiar with his I guess his connection to the Strauss hearings or even that Strauss hearings occurred, but like it was, it was almost immediate where it's like, Oh, I don't know who could have given that character, the papers that, you know, told on Oppenheimer and his activities and set him up. They're, and it's like, well, no, it's pretty clear. It's RDJ's character. It's Strauss. So like, I didn't, I didn't get that <laughs> tension of like, you know, who, who was behind this? I guess. And, and really quick, my point, and I just need a disclaimer
1: to, uh, for myself for to let all the listeners know, I still don't know half the things that happened in this movie because it just <laughs> happened so fast. And there was a lot of stuff and a lot of characters were being introduced at once and they're going back to certain things. It took me a minute to like after they reveal certain things it took me about maybe 3 minutes to get caught up to that point yeah. and then i still have to get caught up on whatever happened in that 3 minutes it took me while i was thinking on we, so it took me a long yeah. a, a long time to re- not a long time but enough time to actually figure out what was happening
2: we should make there a is correction quite an here. extensive cast yeah, we should make a correction here. Hans actually had his phone out for the first hour and fifty-eight minutes of the movie, <laughs> and then when the atomic bomb went off, he put his phone away. He was he uh, was reading the foreword of his book. Yeah, yeah. He was trying <laughs> to hit so- it up.
1: What's with all these people talking? And then boom. Oh, I will
2: yeah, I will them. s I will say one of the small complaints I did have was kind of along your lines, uh, Papa, in regards to they kind of uh what they didn't really show us. You know, the, there's a turn with RDJ's character that they kind of just, I guess, tell us as opposed to showing us throughout the movie. Like they 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 reshow some scenes that they showed earlier in the movie, but from a different point of view or with a different feeling or tone to them. And I felt that to be a little cheap, um, where I would have rather have kind of had that opening you know, like you were mentioning, Greg, you you kind of knew right off the off the bat that that was the case. Where for me, I was a little bit in the dark. Slash, also similar to Chris, trying to catch up with, you know, oh, we have, um, you know, some other characters introduced who almost seem to not uh, align with Oppenheimer or you know want to control him in regards to what he was doing. Um so I would have I would have preferred that a little bit more as opposed to just kind of revealing that to us in the in the final third act and being like, you thought you saw it this way? Well, actually it was told this way. And you know, there was a little bit of that to me um in regards to it. So it's like the it's like the ending the clue.
0: Yeah. This is what just, really happened. This is what really happened. <laughs> um I kind of want to talk about some of the cast here and and their characters another loaded Uh, there's there's just like a lot to tackle with this movie but i i want to go over this stuff um i mean first of all standouts uh hands you already mentioned it but killian murphy robert downey jr um just absolute greats and uh quite possibly the best performances of both of their careers uh just tremendous really happy for robert downey jr because i think you know leading up to the release of the film he had done some press and you know made comments along the lines of you know i i didn't know if i still had those acting chops you know it's it's been 15 20 years and i've been a man in a suit and you know all this stuff so happy that he was able to get that out and he absolutely does still have it. Um Killian Murphy just very this is one of those roles where an actor just transforms into the character and there were times when I would see it and uh I'm just I'm looking at the character I'm not looking at the actor and some of his mannerisms uh were very insect like like there would be times mm-hmm. where he'd have this kind of vacant stare where you know he's looking beyond and he's thinking of complex things. We can't even fathom inside his brain. So his gaze is just elsewhere. And then he takes this giant insect like blink. It's, it's almost inhuman the way he looks and to be able to portray mannerisms like that is just, uh, it's on another level. Like not every actor can do that. So shout out to both those guys. I think both of them, Will be nominated for uh, their respective categories when awards season pops up. Um, Killian, Killian Murphy has a gr- like a crazy
1: career, like and not like, an I mean, an he advantage, really does. But he's, yeah, he's been around for so long, and I know a few movies that I, that and one movie we recommended to you, uh, Sunshine, that he was. I I, I guess it was his first leading role, or no? Well, maybe twenty eight days later. I, should, I I always forget about that. Um, but um, Sunshine, I think, was his first like American indie leading role, but that can, even 28 days later came out early two thousands. And this guy's been yeah. around for yeah. a long time. And he really, uh, as far as I know in a major movie, this is the first time that he's been a lead in a block. I, I guess you can consider as a blockbuster at this point now. Um But everything else he's been supporting. And, and even in Nolan movies, I, I haven't seen tenants. So I don't think he's in that, but, um, all the others movies like Batman, the Batman trilogy, Inception, he's really just a side character, and and more. Not even he's not even on the level of supporting character. He's if they had a nomination for like supporting supporting character, he'd he'd fall in that category. And he's been around for so so long. Like I think a movies like Red Eye that I forget about, and because mm-hmm. of Oppenheimer, I'm starting to go back into his filmography and realize that there's movies he's been in that I forget that are just are really good that they, they, I would have put them as cult classic good, but up on, on that, but it just, they're entertaining. Like red eye. I, I think that was 2005 or 2006. And yeah, the dude doesn't age. Like he still looks, I mean, Oppenheimer, he looks a little older, but I, I take a movie that he did, I don't know, like two years ago or something. And he looks the same as he did in, two, in 2005. He's like Keanu Reeves. Like he does not. And Paul Rudd, like he
0: does not age. So they got that good, good. Yeah, that vampire um, one. <laughs> Uh Not, not a major character, kind of a, a minor character. But Benny Safdie's Edward Teller. Um, you know the character is what it is, but uh, why was this guy constantly sweating? I don't know. I saw this I'm snow snow sure and I
1: because
0: I'm pretty sure there was not a single scene where he wasn't caked in sweat, um, and it just it not not a weird choice i guess but like even even like later days you know when they have yeah that, no uh, i know it's it's just weird he had a very weird look i don't yeah. know what was up with that choice
2: he's, um, besides rdj's character i think he's also kind of the most i don't want to say he pushes the most back against uh oppenheimer he kind of has that scene with him after the testing um as well where they kind of you know debate uh, or is it maybe before, right before the test where he tells him he needs them? Um, but yeah, his character is a, is a bit of an oddball as Edward Teller, but yeah, very sweaty, very sweaty.
1: I didn't know Fair that's story. he's of the Safdie brothers, correct? Yeah. So I didn't right. know he was, is this like his acting debut or has he been an actor?
2: Yeah, he's actually well, he not, was not in making guess uh, wasn't he? He might have been in something else, but this is like his obviously major role. Right. Uh, but he, uh, right. I don't think he's making movies with uh, his brother anymore, and he's trying to pursue an acting career. If I'm not mistaken, from hmm. what
0: I guess, if there was any kind right.
1: of um, mo- movie database online, I could have looked that up instead of
2: asking it on this podcast. Hey, you good? If, um.
0: was, if there was a movie database on the internet, we'd be yeah, set. What would for they life. call it? What would they call it? <laughs> I don't know. We'll I, I don't have to know.
1: workshop it. Yeah, we'll throw some ideas out there. I did. And he was actually in
0: Kenobi, which I did not know that. So there you go. That might have been what I was thinking. Uh, I want to talk about the. uh, You know what? I'll get back to that in one second. Um, So I feel like there were two roles that were stunt casted in this. And uh, those were the roles that uh, Rami Malek and Casey Affleck um, played both of them had very minor roles and it just kind of, it made me question why um, hands. I know you mentioned the, the mic drop moment with Rami Malik and like, yeah, sure. I like, I guess it was okay, but like that, they could have had anybody in that role. I get, I don't know. It's weird. Cause like, I don't want to argue and say, um, you know why not go with the absolute best? But it just it seems to me like in both of their cases, a waste of talent when you could give somebody else that might be able to deliver it just as good, but maybe they're lesser known. Uh, you could give them some shine. All
1: right, I have a counterpoint to this, if you don't mind. Um sure. So I, I I I see where you're coming from, and when I saw that note, but the first thing I thought of is is a lot of famous like that's that's. Definitely, I like a, a Tarantino staple of, like, say, put Walken in Pulp Fiction, where they use him for right. five minutes, and that, right. and that's where I just I, I didn't I, I feel like this cast is so like if you have the opportunity to get Remy Malik, who is, all right, I'm, I'll, I'll I'll fact check this, but uh, an Academy Award winner for Freddie is Mercury. a winner, yeah, uh, I think he was an Emmy nominated for, um, I almost said Bad Robot, uh, um, Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot, I think he was at least nominated. Um, and the same with like Mr. Bad Robot to you, Mr. Bad Robot. Uh, (laughs) Um, and in the same way, like Casey Affleck now, could the Remy Malik role, could that have gone to anyone? Yes. But the, the one thing I will defend the Casey Affleck role because he does that role so, so well, and so haunting, like he's a terrifying character who he has like the, he has these, when he showed up. I was like, I I, I thought about it. I'm like, I, he was another one where I thought I knew he was in this movie in in like my subconscious mind, but I I didn't know until the point when I was watching it. But he he is so straight faced. And could someone else have done that role? Yes. But if Casey Affleck, if you have the chance to get Casey Affleck in this role and, and in the movie somehow, and that's the role he's going to play, he does it perfect. I think it 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 adds a little his fit, he just those like he has these creepy eyes that add to like the tension of the scene um same with and remy malik i just he's another one where he's up and coming where he'll probably be the 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 lead actor in nolan's next movie like it's i he just i think he's so good where you can you don't want to waste them and even if you have a little scene like just put him in there um i i didn't think they were way i don't want to say wasted but i don't think it was like stunt casting
0: I guess it it comes down to for me like I see these actors pop up and it's like oh cool it's Rami Malek like I'm excited to see what he does and then he's got like ten total lines in the movie and it's like I, oh okay and cool. I
1: see I see where you're coming from yeah like could they could, could they give Casey a bigger role in the movie yeah or they could have given that role to someone who isn't as like that would be if they give it to like Brendan Fraser. Like who's big and on like top of his game now. And, you know, they like that would be stunt casting too, I think. But I don't know. Was he, I he too busy
2: for this movie? Or did he have something? He's, on filming, the main... he's filming the whale. He's filming the well. Let's see. Mm-hmm. That movie
1: had more CG than uh, <laughs> than all of Oppenheimer. I think so.
0: Did I make? Those
1: were practical effects, my guy. Yeah. Uh, not the end of the movie when he was like floating or something. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: Clearly. <laughs> that's just the end of the movie
1: <laughs> just saying um, um but no i i, I like that casey uh casey affleck i think he's a he's a, if you have the opportunity to get him in the movie he probably got paid like 10 million dollars to offer his ten lines. but
0: yeah harry before i move on to the other big ones for the cast what do you think what's your take on this so
2: I think you're I think you're right in the in the Remy Malik part of it where you have an Oscar winning actor who literally has two lines and then just disappears, uh, doesn't show up for a majority of the movie, then is there, and then is kind of doesn't say anything else and then shows up at the end. I think there is a little bit of having now again also with this type of movie, you know, and trying to be honoring history or trying to get maybe the You know, I don't know how close he decided to get every actor for each role. So maybe with, you know, the Remy Malik David Hill character, there is an element of like, who looks like this guy, you know, you know, maybe he fills the part or, you know, maybe he was doing some other stuff and he just wanted to be a part of it. You know, I know Christopher Roll has mentioned Florence Pugh's part that it wasn't going to be a major, major part of the movie, but obviously it has a very impactful role. So if you want to do it, you can, you know, be a part of it. Um, you know, and there's, you know, we talked about, there's the opportunity to work with Nolan in any aspect. And it's like, what do you got for me? And it's like, I've already casted all this other roles, but what do you think about this? Um, you know, I I think I agree with you in that part, Greg, the, the one part that I do, I think I agree with hands on is in the Casey Affleck part where he kind of shows up like a Christopher Walken type in a, in pulp fiction, uh, in Tarantino's movie, and kind of just has a small role and it is a pretty haunting kind of moment because you have the overlay with matt damon's character kind of being like you talk to boris what you're pash he's like you talk to pash you never talk to pash and it kind of plays this very calm role and i think Dane is dane DeHaan in that no dane DeHaan isn't in that scene uh, i think it's somebody some other soldier um, uh, yeah. yeah,
0: cause it's not, it's not on the, beach. yeah, Dean Dane Dahan, I, on I think beach. shows
2: up later. Yeah. Um, this dude so, was in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So there's definitely an element for me where I think the Casey Affleck one works, but the Remy Malek one, I, I, I could see the other point of it where it's like, yeah, you could have gotten literally name anyone in this movie, Josh Peck, uh, you know, uh, you could have gotten. Uh, why am I just drawing a blank on all these names all of a sudden? Jason clark you could have, like, there's so many people who you could have put in this role in regards to it. Um, Alden Ehrenreich, you could have put him in the, in that spot as just a small little scene. And so I'm sure there's a lot of things that go into behind it. You know, I, I try not to, there's, there's part of me that's kind of a simp for Nolan when it comes to, like, you know, the, he decided to do what he decided to do because of X, Y, and Z. I'm sure he has his reasons. He's not a guy to just be like, you know, let's throw in this stunt casting with Molik, Um, but I think there, there, you could definitely make that case of like, Oh, so you brought out the Academy award winner to have the mic drop here at the end, uh, say some lines that, uh, you know, bury, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s, uh, Strauss character. So, um, as always, I'm in the middle, uh, and on the fence in between both of it for you guys. So I see both sides
0: there. Great point though. Thank you. Um, so the last part of the cast that I wanted to talk about, I'll turn it over to you guys. Is uh, the two female leads we have Florence Pugh's Jean Tatlock and Emily Blunt's Kitty Oppenheimer. Um, I guess my first thought, and look, I understand, you know, given the time frame that we're working in and the role of women in society. I understand there might be some of the fact that I guess maybe women just didn't play as big a part in this story, but it did seem a little weird to me that with a cast this massive, there were really only two major women characters. um, And that being those two roles. Um, So that was kind of strange. The other thing is um, prior to the film's release or at least the release the release in the u.s i had seen some just brief observations made by critics uh, of the foreign press i I think uh, specifically french critics and they had noted that florence pugh's character doesn't have much of a character arc but emily blunts does um and you know they felt i guess florence Pugh might have got shafted a little bit um I'm just going to be straight. I think both of them did not have character arcs. Uh, here's the thing. So Jean Tatlock, Florence Pugh's character, uh, she she definitely does not have a character arc. The performance is great, but there isn't much of a change in the character. Um, she just kind of exists as the way she is, kind of a, a crazy Um, girlfriend trying to get uh, Oppie into the cause uh, from the first time we see her on screen up until basically her death. Um, Emily Blunt's character, Kitty Oppenheimer, uh, who is, you know, Oppie's wife. um, She, I guess you could say she has a character arc, but it's, I don't think it's developed enough for me to qualify one because What happens is we see her and she's this very passionate person. And, you know, she's talking about kind of her wants and needs and they're going horseback riding in the uh, New Mexico desert and, and things of that nature. And then we flash forward and we see her and she's got a kid and she's an awful mom drinking and letting the kid cry and just wants nothing to do with their child. Uh, to the point where they give the child up, basically, for extended care with one of their friends. And then we fast forward again a little bit later, and she is now the mother of multiple children and still not a great mom, I guess, slightly improved in that she's not flat out ignoring them. But you still see, like, you know, wistful looks and, and disappointment in her face and all that stuff another really good performance uh, although i do think florence pugh's performance is better but like i don't see a character arc with that in in that we go from like point a to point c without stopping off at point b there's no scene that explains the change in character uh and and why she's evolved into this it's just like well we're at a different stage in her life here she is and that's not that's not like a character arc for me. There's no continuity. It's just, this is a different person, you know? So I don't, I don't get that, that people were, were praising her character arc. Um, I don't know. That's just me. I, I do think both of them each had, well, so again, Florence Pugh, I think any scene she was in, she was, she was kind of electric um, for Emily Blunt. The only scene that like really stood out for me in terms of her performance was her uh, tete-a-tete with uh, Jason Clark's character during the interrogation. That was just outstanding. Uh, she was going toe-to-toe with somebody who up to this point, yeah, had been kind of um, just really beating up on on Oppie verbally. Uh, so that was pretty cool to see. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I think if there was a way to have more female characters, there should have been. And I, I can't say for sure that they're, there was a way, but that was disappointing. And then uh just not having any growth from those female characters also disappointing. Yeah, I,
1: I as you're going
0: through I, I started
1: thinking, I'm like, in this whole three hour movie, there's I don't I couldn't name another female cast member. So um there
0: was the one Oppenheimer cheated with that like yeah, my they, man was the a dude player. never found out yeah oh yeah the the blonde haired girl at his party and then there was the one that was also at los alamos literally four female characters in the movie that have speaking lines
1: yeah i mean i i guess in the time of the like that that was the the it was you know women weren't really in positions of power at the time so but i i do agree They, they could have probably had a few more roles in there but I feel like the two that they had in there, they kind of—I don't say they wasted it, but yeah, the arcs are really weird. Where, like, Florence Pugh is mopey the whole time because she wants to be with Oppenheimer, and she wants to like, and then you know when she she kills herself, then it's it's you know that what that whole. What, what do you think she was murdered? All right. Well,
0: we'll speculate. That was a suicide, out. bro. Come on. Yeah. Do me?
1: Let, let me look on the subreddit and see what other people are theorizing. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But um yeah, but I, I think after that, like I, I understand her character is to put the guilt of on Oppenheimer, but for Kitty, the 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 only real scene I feel like she was in was the yeah, like you were saying, going back and forth with Jason Clark. Everything else she was she kind of just was like standing around and not doing much or just, she would yell at a person every once in a while, but that's really it. So Yeah.
2: I think uh I think for me I think the Florence Pugh, as as you mentioned, Greg, and I think it was very well said in regards to not having a character. I think that's true, but I think she kind of comes in Oppenheimer's uh, life like a rocket ship and just kind of leaves it that way as well. Um, and it's also, I think for, you know, and maybe this is my own interpretation. Like I, I feel like Oppenheimer, you know, looks at that as a life he could have pursued if he wasn't this, you know, man, who is destined for great things, and that's what she tells. Well, that's what Emily Blunt, I believe, tells him. You know, multiple times as well. Um, you know, for it. So, I think her character arc, lack thereof, kind of works because she kind of is this just, uh, you know, I don't want to call it a bad Side influence. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah this this influence that he probably, you know, he just couldn't resist. He couldn't turn away from. Um, kind of like almost like a drug in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, but I will agree with you again on the Emily Blunt part of it, because, you know, they, they, they kind of build this, this scene up for Emily Blunt's kitty and you, you get it like, you know, he, Robert, uh, Oppenheimer, you know, at some point says like, oh, kitty, she'll show you guys. And it's kind of like, if she's your right hand person in life. You know, I would have I would have liked a little bit more because also from what I from what I've read about the movie, you know, Kitty Kitty wasn't a slouch. She wasn't like um, a stay at home mom. She was a brilliant. I don't know if she was a scientist as well. I can't remember off the top of my head, but she was a brilliant scholar as well. And she has she gets sidelined to you know having to you know raise a family or be put in charge of the kids, and you see that struggle. That's Projected on screen with her obvious drinking habit, but for me, I would have appreciated a handful more scenes. Um, and I, I think a lot of those scenes end up going to either Matt Damon's character or you know the focus on the Strauss hearing um, or Strauss's part, where we could have used maybe one or two more conversations with her and Oppenheimer of the struggle, or you know, you know that that marriage and and how you know cuz there are a couple scenes where i remember she yells at oppenheimer uh about like it is strauss you idiot you can't see it um you know and she's kind of the you know the the brighter mind of the two uh in some ways uh but i i would have appreciated a couple more scenes to build on that
0: yeah so i mean obviously it's going to be tough to sum up a relationship especially one that's so loaded with complexity as hers and um, yeah Oppenheimer's but it very much is like yeah there's those scenes where she is hey you got to fight this you got to fight this but everything yeah. that we see in the past there's nothing that indicates she's like his ride or die you know yeah. it's all just and it's she's it's, miserable and that's it and, it's, and it's like, OK, on, so then where does I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, it's focused on Oppen, like Robert J. Oppenheimer's point of view. Like, how does right. it impact him as opposed to how does it impact her or, you know, her feelings or her thoughts in, in regards
0: to that? Right. So something something that a scene or two that could have built to that and shown that support would have been nice because, yeah, it just goes from, you know begrudging housewife raising kids that she apparently wanted but didn't want i don't know um to all of a sudden like being his biggest cheerleader and rah yeah. rah like you you need to stand up for yourself and it's and like all
2: right this those is, things
0: don't jive you know
2: this is a continuous nolan problem um you know or criticism i should say of his movies um you know with with having female uh strong either you know involvement in his movies so hmm.
0: uh, what do you guys think about the rest of the cast was there anybody i didn't touch on or any any uh characters or actors you wanted to revisit
1: um the only weak spot and i i wouldn't even say it's a weak spot is matt damon's character where i feel Ooh. like he was good hmm. no I, I and i if i had to pick a weak spot in right. the character I, i'm not saying he's bad but everyone else i Matt Damon is always, has always been a, yes, I know this is Matt Damon playing a character. And to go on to, Greg, I believe you said it, where you feel like Killian Murphy is, is so invested in Oppenheimer that you feel, forget it's an actor playing him. I feel like with Matt Damon, any role he's ever in, you just know it's Matt Damon and it, it it's, but that being said, he is a, he is fantastic in this movie. I just think he is probably the weakest part for me. But that's saying that's not. I mean, that not to take any credit away. It's a fantastic performance. Um, I was watching Titanic over the weekend, and I feel like I, I don't. You know, and to say this, I, I feel like that out of Titanic, that this is one of those movies where like every supporting character kills it, and is and like I can't like I think it's a perfectly casted movie. Oppenheimer, I think, is better is probably more than that. Where there's not. I, I don't know how Nolan does it to get these performances out of characters in all of his movies, where it just seems like I, I it just like Robert Downey Jr., who I don't know when the last time he played a serious role this well, outside like or did a role outside of a Marvel or a franchise like Sherlock Holmes or the Doolittle, whatever it was called, and <laughs> he he and I I didn't think Robert Robert Downey Jr. had that acting ability. Like I, I mean, I feel like I did, but he was never. He didn't pushed Didn't think enough. so either. Yeah, he was yeah. not. I feel like he was never pushed to that point, and and that's that's everyone in this cast. You take Killian Murphy, who who is is a, a, not a household name, and he's going to be after this movie. Um, I outside of and I am trying to think of just anyone else who who showed up. Oh, um, Josh Hartnett. I never thought I would say this. Josh yeah. Hartnett was a, this was a great Josh Hartnett role. I don't think Man, that was ever got it.
2: Did, did he ever really have it? He was kind of just there. Well, you didn't see Operation um, Fortune. I mean, I didn't either. But I, I've heard good that, things oh, about him in that. Like, I've never heard of out. that movie. Okay, it was it was the, it was out and gone. That is that where they him? dropped
1: the elephant in um somewhere.
2: It was him, the... Statham and uh, Aubrey oh. Plaza in a in a spy thriller. No, it wasn't the elephant. So all right, That's Dumbo
1: drop. I'm sorry. Um, but he he was he was great in this movie. Uh, uh, there's other characters that I keep thinking about that are that, uh, and, and come award season, this is going to be one of those movies where three or four different people are going to be nominated for best supporting actor. Like this is going to be, this is going to be an Opperheimer heavy
2: supporting nomination, uh, at least for the nomination.
1: Call it
0: Oscarheimers.
2: Oscarheimers. That's what, yeah. At least, at least on the uh, men's side on the actor category. So I don't yeah, even, yeah,
1: right. I don't even know any other movie right now that's come out this year that would, that would, Stand. I know, like the flower moon, moon flowers, or whatever with kill sangria, kill the screech. Killers of the Flower Moon. moon. The flower moon. Um, I know a lot of people are saying like De Niro for that, and and you know, there's a couple other ones, but I don't know, man. This is this is this category. Every category that Oppenheimer is nominated for is it's going to be theirs to
2: lose. Interesting. So, calling it now, folks. Opinion. In August, if August it doesn't 1st. get
1: a sat, if it doesn't get a sat or whatever the award does for like. Best best ensemble cast, then I call I call rubbish on this whole
2: system, this communist system. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez Louise, um, caught me off guard with that one. Um, I would say for me, I really enjoyed Matt Damon's performance. I th- I thought he was great as uh, as a, as a mm. counter to Oppenheimer. I thought they had really good chemistry. Um, I'll agree a little bit. Well, about the silliness of Benny Safty's character, I feel like. That that character didn't work for me, especially when it gets to the end and you know he gets snubbed with the handshake. I think I would have rather have seen a stronger performance for that. Uh, Gary Oldman mm-hmm. coming in to get some shots in, uh, you know, in the gym uh, probably, that, probably I a day. Know
1: was I did not, yeah. know
0: that was Gary Oldman. I, a day afterwards,
1: afterwards, that was another one where I looked at the cast and I was, I'm like. How did I miss that? How did I miss it? Yeah. That? Get
0: that sissy out of here! <laughs> yeah.
2: And uh, and shout out to uh, one of our previous uh, most recently recorded episodes. But uh, for ten things I hate about you, uh, we had what's his face, uh, David Crumholtz. David Crumholtz, uh, yeah, good call. One. Yeah, yep. get some get some shots the in, same in character there. So that
1: he did in ten things I hate about you, but in the thirties, like yeah. where he just introduces people to other people.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, you know, I know Jason Clark plays basically one note in this, you know, his angry, uh, what's it called? Uh, I don't call it investigator, but angry, prosecutor. you know, Anti, prosecutor. anti-communist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and he, he plays it well. Um, I, I thought so. Yeah. Him, Damon, Um, definitely, and Crumholtz I think, stood out for me as ones you didn't mention, and um, you know would have liked to have seen uh, maybe somebody different in Safdie's category uh, or spot. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, but yeah. Uh, One other one, and this is just a quick shout-out, because I
1: forgot this guy was even alive and existed in this planet, because I thought about him, no, I thought about him like two weeks ago, because I was watching a DVD or something. Um, Dane DeHaan, I did not know he was in, I didn't even know he was still in Hollywood, and he had a, he a I up? wouldn't say significant role, but he looks completely different. He doesn't look like creepy Dane DeHaan that he does in all his other. But I was watching like a Metallica thing that he was like he was oh like yeah through the never the, through the never, um, yeah. and I thought about it. I'm like this guy has not been in something in a while. He just kind of disappeared. At least I haven't seen him in anything, and I saw him in this, uh, and I was shocked to know that
0: it was him. I honestly I don't whatever came more recently either through the never or amazing spider-man 2 i don't remember but that's amazing whatever Spider the last 2, i think came out after and then he was in that
1: other one the kingdom of a thousand planets or something
0: i yeah i didn't and, see uh, that so like amazing uh, spider-man 2 was the last time i've seen him so same thing i totally forgot about him loved yeah. him in this i thought he was great yeah
1: um but valerian and the kingdom of
2: a thousand planets or something love it wait wait were,
0: weren't you the one that was all about that
2: that was what me was that, bro too? i was i was valerian uh, yeah. valerian head cool they well,
0: glad that's the, the test of time <laughs> you win some um, you lose
2: some i don't know what to tell you
0: yes so do you guys have any other points before we skip forward because i was going to talk touch on the um the trinity detonation but mm-hmm. is there anything between you know beginning and middle okay so, so uh the stuff yeah, lots, lots of science happens. You love we, science. You're going to love this movie. And then we get to the Trinity detonation. And uh, man, I I really loved this scene. It was great. Um, you know, the build up to it. There were the, the weather problems is, are we going to go through with this? And president needs an answer. We have to go. Is the bomb going to go off by being struck by lightning accidentally? Like what? There's a whole lot of tension there. Nobody knows what's actually going to happen. There's a, a near zero, but not zero chance that we could accidentally blow up the entire world. Um, so it was really, really fascinating. And uh, when it detonated, there was an extended delay for the boom, the sonic boom. And you see the bright light, you know, all that stuff, and which light travels faster than the sound, so it makes sense but the delay from the sound was so long. I thought it was just going to be a creative choice to not have any sound. And then boy, that sound (laughs) hits and I am not the type of person to jump in movie theaters. I was just talking with Harry and our buddy Sean about this, uh, this past weekend and Dom, Um, but it takes a lot for me to jump. It, It, uh, and catch me off guard in, in movies. And that sound wave uh, totally made me jump um, each time that they showed it from a different POV, even after the first time when I knew it was coming, it still got me and uh, it was massive. And probably um, look, I know I, I cracked all over the Batman, but one of the things I did say about the Batman was um, the ignition of the Batmobile. Like that was an outstanding uh, moment for sound design. I think this was the best since then um, and probably even surpassed it. Uh, this The boom for the, the Trinity test was just incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, what did, just what did on you that guys note, say about the test? On that note, I was the same. So a, someone thought the
1: sound went out in my theater someone so I thought the sound went out and because and, there was really nothing going like you couldn't hear anything and someone, someone was you can hear them whispering like I think the sound might be broken whatever and I wasn't expecting what I was expecting in my mind was not what we got on screen but I was expecting just the I was expecting the IMAX screen to blow up and just you know it'd be like just be an insane explosion I'm glad it wasn't that because I, I like how they like you said the sound fast, faster and travels faster than light, and I like how they did that build up because I was not expecting that boom, at all, and I I jumped back in my seat like, like oh my god like I felt that, and you know I'll ride I'll ride for the Batman till I die that revving up scene is is I still I I wish I could feel that again and the only other time I think was Top Gun something in Top Gun I forget what part. That like kind of I, I thought utilized like the IMAX feeling of that well, but that boom scared the bejesus out of me, and <laughs> and I, I that whole leading up to when you had said I going into the point of oh there's still an hour and a half left in this movie like the whole is lightning going to strike this thing and in my mind I'm thinking this tower is going to collapse. Or something, and they gotta rebuild it, or and they think it blow I don't know, but you know, once it actually goes off, I, I thought I, I don't know how Nolan recreate. I mean, they he, he released how he did it, but how he recreated right. that, but that the tension in that hole before the bomb and after the bomb is is perfect. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 I have not jumped in a theater like that in a long time, and I don't need, I don't watch scary movies or anything so like jump scares don't get me but that got me i I, like was back so yeah
0: hair hold on before before we get to hair i just want to say i just thought of a great tongue twister i need everybody to say sweaty safty slathered in sunscreen uh, seven times fast?
2: Uh no way!
0: <laughs> I thought you were gonna
2: just say "say it," and I was gonna say it, but seven times. Dude, that, Get dude, out of here. that dude put like
1: SPF one hundred and twenty on, and he yeah, looked he was like prepared. a ghost.
0: <laughs> yeah, for so, surviving nuclear holocaust.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put all this on your face and wear these goggles.
2: Yeah, there was definitely. Uh, I was kind of waiting for the sound to kick back in. Um, it's just, I don't know. That's kind of, I guess, what I expected. Um there was a debate after the movie within my group of uh was the Trinity test uh overrated kind of going into the movie? Uh basically my my re- reply to that was well the fact that Nolan didn't uh blow up an actual nuclear device I think it's pretty impressive uh to see on screen um the way it was recreated. So uh yeah, I mean um but definitely impressive definitely one of those moments of like hey i'm thankful that i'm in the theater for um and yeah i mean nobody you know greg you mentioned a little bit in the build-up nobody does it better than nolan in regards to this uh you know whether Attention. you know yeah just think back to a lot of his movies interstellar inception the dark night dark night rises even i know that's not uh top of the pops for a lot of people but just this tension of what's coming next. Um, you know, and for me, I was expecting it, but for a lot of people, there is that moment, you know, like you guys just expressed of what, it, what, uh, Oh, wow. You know what I mean? So that, that pop out of your seat. So man, that's why, uh, I mean, that's why I love Nolan. Um, you know, that's why I consider him to be the goat. So.
0: Mm-hmm. um, Kind of moving forward a little bit after Trinity, We have, uh, you know, the the other bombs, the ones that get dropped on Japan being built, Fat Man and Little Boy, and we see them shipped off for use. And uh, then we have this fantastic scene. This this was one of my favorite scenes in the movie uh, after the, the dropping of those two bombs. And it gets announced on the. Intercom or or it's actually Announced on the radio and they plug that up to the, the PA system um, with Truman Announcing it but then we get this Little town hall scene Where everybody's gathered in the Auditorium or whatever It is uh, and they're all in the bleachers And Oppenheimer Basically goes up to the podium In the front to kind of say Hey you know it worked we're successful Go America rah rah like you know One of those type of things Just keeping it brief but his guilty conscience over what he has now unleashed on the world is weighing down on him, and he starts uh, hallucinating and seeing the people in the crowd um, almost like uh, haunting visions of them. You know, burnt up from the effects of radiation and and charred and uh, uh, skeletal husks and and things of that nature, and they're. They're tormenting him, and I thought that scene was so well done visually and uh, performance-wise from Killian Murphy and even the audio, and it was just absolutely fantastic. Um, Like I said, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. What did you think about that scene here? Yeah, I mean, it's
2: definitely a haunting scene, and I think it kind of... You know, I mean, you know, I know you talked about it dragging. I mean, you could have ended it with that scene right there, um, Mm, yeah, the movie, and kind of left uh, left it with that. Um, I think it definitely works for the movie as far as you know. I I, I've seen some debate about um, you know the like I mentioned the tonal shift afterwards, and you know, I I think the movie does a good job of even debating in the movie of like how could you you know have you know, feel one way about this, you know, in creating the, the bomb, but, you know, have, you know, uh, be upset that what you created, uh, in regards to it. And I, I think there's a lot in that, that works for me in just the, the struggle for it. Like you're bringing something into this world and, you know, you can't take it away now. Um, but your whole goal was to do this. Uh, and I, I think that scene summarizes it up uh, perfectly. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was one of the one of the, you know, we talk about movie moments, uh, you know, especially with this one, and I, I think that's one of them. It's even as depressing, I guess, as it, as that scene is, uh, and that's what shows how it can work both ways.
0: Hans, what did you think about the scene?
1: It was there was a lot. The imagery in that was is really scary um and i know a lot of people you know and and, you know nolan missed that that flag thing that fit the 50 stars on the flag so whatever (laughs) no nolan's punching 50 holes in the wall right now um bro who is digging into that like who cares probably someone on the snyderverse fandom um (laughs) probably but uh yeah I, i i thought it was really good and and what this movie does really good is uh, on moments that aren't necessarily supposed to build tension, it does with the sound in it, and and it it, it it's especially with IMAX, it, it elevates the sound. It, it almost puts like a ringing in your ear, and like makes you feel like makes you feel uncomfortable. And I think that's what what Nolan does so great with this. Um, and you know, you start to see the development of 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 um, Oppenheimer really living with the, his, whether or not you call it a mistake or his decision to move ahead with this test. Cause he knows what's going to happen. Um, but it, it is, it, it's so funny to see like, that's what, that's really what America was like pro, like all this stuff is like, they would have these little rallies and just go crazy like with the war, like you would see old footage of just when we won the war or when the war was stopping and to see it in such a small, condensed area like you would see videos of new york and stuff like that but this seems a little it it builds the tension of it's such a small arena a small area and you can see how how oppenheimer's nervous and he is not comfortable anymore um and you know he's definitely i feel like through the movie you you really see him knowing how to talk to people and convince people how to do certain things or how to talk to a crowd and he's losing that at that point because now he doesn't really know how to explain what how he doesn't really support what he just spent all this time for in this little town that he built for these people. Um, it's just it's just wild, like, and it just the the sound the sound makes it makes the tension just increase. And I remember feel in those kind of movies, I feel I feel uncomfortable, but not in a bad reason. Like I want that feeling to be you know, Nicole Kidman would say in the beginning, like you know this is you know, we come to the movies to feel and it's just, you get that, they get that stress out of that situation from, from, um, and then when he starts like delivering some of the lines, like, you know, well, maybe we should have saved it for the Germans or whatever he says to the, or, you know, it would have been nice if the Germans found out what it was. And he almost is, he, he puts on a face just to, to hold some kind of status among these people instead of going against it and being a hypocrite. Um, so it's almost like he's afraid of these people turning on him because he really wants to say what he wants to. Um, but it, it was it was it was a really wild scene where you think that the bomb going off is probably going to be the wildest. And that's more I feel like that scene is more tense than the actual Trinity test happening.
0: Mm. Um. Before I move forward to the end and final thoughts, were there any other points you guys wanted to touch on? Her.
2: No, I was gonna say we've uh, we've been hitting a lot of the the points for me. Um,
1: oh yeah, um, one thing the score uh, Ludwig. Uh, sorry, sir, I'm not gonna pronounce your name correctly. Um, Gorrinson. Gorrinson. Yeah. I apologize. Um, phenomenal. Um, the one song, the one, um, and I gotta get the track name of it. I, I do not have it, but I will have it very shortly. I've been listening to it's like it there's so many there's such a han zimmer influence in his music where i don't know if if, if nolan's allowed to use zimmer because i think zimmer's been really doing work with with warner brothers and um at least i haven't seen him do anything outside of He's warner brothers the in a little track fishing no not fishing um okay. hold on I, yeah as I, I when i talk I'll, I'll i'll figure it out um but i, I this would zimmer would have ate this movie up that like he would have he would have done something like incredible with it um like he always does, but, um, you know, um, Goranson did uh, really good. I know he does the Mando theme. There was a couple other things I had to look up. They did like that. Black Panther. Um, it Creed. almost freed. that's right. I, I saw that. And I was like, Oh, I, I always forget. I always, I know like Black Panther, I know Kendrick Lamar gets all that for the soundtrack. And I never, I like, I just found that that Ludwig did the the score. Um, but, I'm trying to figure out the name of the one song, but it's. A, I'll, I, I will figure it out before the end of this show. Um, but yeah, it's. There's a lot of mixes and a lot of influences with it. But I, I feel like there was a little interstellar-ish themes in here where it seemed like Hans like some of the interstellar work. Whoever did the um, the score for um, the Stephen Hawking movie um, Theory of Dude, Everything, that. there's a little bit of 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 that with. Um, with some of the songs. It's incredible. I, I don't know. This guy's not a name for me. Like I, in, in terms of composers, I, I usually go like Hans Zimmer, um, Danny John Williams, John Williams. I said Danny Elfman. Um, and I, I think that I hope, I hope Nolan keeps working with this guy because he, um, you know, it, it's definitely, I thought Zimmer did it until I had to look it up. Um, and it
2: <laughs> turned out he didn't, but yeah, 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 I was going to say he's worked with Ludwig on on Tenet, um, as well. Okay, so.
1: I, I still have not seen Tenet. so
2: uh, that's a shame. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, the score is amazing. Uh, you guys are getting me uh really excited to uh to watch this uh again tomorrow. So, um, yeah, no, uh, beautiful score. Um, definitely, you know, we talked a little bit about nominations. Uh, be hard not to uh, see Ludwig, uh, you know, being nominated for this. I think it. Can you hear the music? It's the second track. Yeah, that's that's the the one. Yeah, not fission. Yeah, okay, okay. I've already, I've already heard that Uh, three times from our good friend Dom. So thank you, Dom. Whenever (laughs) I go
1: on my walks down the shore, I had that playing.
0: I, um, I'm going to agree with you that the score is incredible, hands. But I am going to disagree that Hans Zimmer would have killed this i think so like everybody has their own very unique sound where you can you can kind of hear some type of thematic element like i know a john williams score when i hear it even if there's no um even if there's no similarity between the tracks Hans zimmer he has his own signature style ludwig gorensen absolutely does like there's uh, you can hear in the theme from Mando versus the theme from creed like there's there's a very distinct musical motif that he uses um Hans has been making great music for a long time now, definitely one of the goats in hollywood uh for scores and um certainly used in all kinds of epic movies but i I don't I can't see or imagine him cutting uh, a score as good as this. That's first point. Second point is, although um, I did just say everybody has this musical motif where like you hear it and you recognize it. um, That didn't happen for this one with Ludwig. Like I, I didn't find anything musically that was like, Oh, that's him. That stands out. And I love that because then it's even less predictable. Uh, I didn't know what to expect with the score, but uh, the music was just outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Like ominous when it needs to be uh, full of this kind of wonder when it needs to be um, quick and and uh, tight with the pace when it needs to be like, it's just, it's really well done. And um, as much as I love the music in movies and I listen uh, or try to actively listen while while I'm watching the movie, um, which can be tricky because, you know, you want to focus yeah. on the dialogue, too. Um, this music stood out for me and immediately I went home and, and started playing it. So it's like it's it's just one of those fantastic scores. And I'm also happy that Nolan, you know, despite my comments about uh, Zimmer not me not being able to imagine Zimmer doing this. I'm happy that Nolan expanded outside of his circle. I know, you know, like you said, Harry, he worked on uh Tenet with Ludwig, uh, or Ludwig worked on Tenet with uh Nolan. Yeah. But um but, you know, I look it was it, it was great collaborations with Zimmer and uh and Nolan. But I feel like Zimmer did many of his movies. So like let's spread the love a little bit and get some ultimate yeah. collaborators in and absolutely worked on this scenario.
1: Well, and, and that's why I thought made the, the Warner brothers comment. I don't know if he's allowed to like work with like outside I mean, of Warner Lance, right? Like, like yeah, I guess a that's your contract. Everything that, that Zimmer's been doing is WB though. And that's why, like, I mean, no one could have said, I don't want to work with you. I would rather work with Ludwig. So that's why yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, I mean, you know, we'll get some, some Zimmer soon with, uh, with dune two coming out. So
2: love it. Can't wait.
0: Um, how are any other, or, or hands nah. Any other points? Nope. Okay. Uh, so moving on to the end of the film, uh, you know, we had the conclusion to the security, um, clearance interviews with, uh, Jason Clark and, and, um, uh, yeah, Killian Murphy, That wraps up Strauss's confirmation hearing that wraps up. But um, the end scene where we finally get the big reveal of what uh, Oppenheimer said to Einstein and what exactly went down there, man, absolutely love that. Like, I thought that was tremendous. It was a a good, a good point, a nice capper to the movie. And, you know, once again, kind of reiterates both um, why Oppenheimer eventually grew to be skeptical of, of what he created um, or negative towards it anyway. And also uh, reiterating why uh, Strauss is not a nice guy, um, yeah. you know, because so, he just automatically assumed it was all about him and it, there couldn't possibly be anything else that was said to Einstein. And it's like, no, nah, he's worrying about bigger things. Um so yeah just a a really fantastic scene and and that whole setting uh where they were at the the university or or whatever it was the atomic energy commission's campus the institute I institute as they kept um, calling it yes the institute uh that whole setting and and scene um between Oppenheimer and Einstein absolutely loved uh, really good there so um really enjoyed that end scene we talked about the score i am going to go and i'm sorry we talked about ludwig Gorenson's score i'm going to give my score for the film and i am going to give this 4.5 out of five stars so Her, how about you final thoughts and a score yeah,
2: I mean, completely agreed with you with the Oppenheimer Einstein scene. It kind of builds around it. I think it flashes back to it maybe twice, three times. Um, and again, I, I feel like it's not a Nolan trope, but he always has a card up the sleeve to play. Um, you know, to have his own mic drop moment, if if you will, in regards sure. to it. And it's a it's a beautiful scene and well acted and well written. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention was the cinematographer for this movie, uh, Hoyte van Hoitema. Uh, who's also worked with Nolan on *Tenet*, *Dunkirk*, and *Interstellar*, uh, and most recently with Jordan Peele and *Nope*. And I don't know uh, a lot of people's opinions on *Nope*. I know it's very mixed, but uh, you can't deny the uh, the beauty and scope of that movie. Um, also shot with IMAX cameras. Um, yeah, incredible. Um, so definitely another another nomination as, as as in a long line of a list uh, for this. Um, but yeah, um, you know, this might be recency bias. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm, uh, I after this talk, I'm very excited to go uh tomorrow morning to to see this again and and dive in um a little easier with with knowing the movie um and seeing it again. Uh but yeah, this is this is 5 out of 5 for me. Um on the list, uh I don't like to give those uh you know commonly uh, so I'm very excited to see if that holds up for me uh, as I mentioned there are definitely some parts that you could critique and um, you know I just think when Nolan's on his game um, and you know pitching the way he's pitching to use a sports term uh, there's there's nobody uh, there's nobody better uh, in the game currently uh, when it comes to these these epic type features
1: um, I'm going for and a half out of five um, which is you know I, I said this is not my favorite Nolan movie but I agree it's probably his best um, and I, I think the end the ad I'm, I'm calling BS on this no CGI stuff now um, that ending scene that after he talked to Einstein that was CGI they did not mm. launch missiles and destroy the world um, so I'm calling bull on that but I don't everything know. else Interesting. Uh, they, yeah what they just stop it last second? Um, yeah, I'm calling BS. Uh, great, Nolan. Now, I just lowered it a point. Um, no, four and a half out of five for me. Um, this was a... I, I would love to go watch it again in my days of no responsibilities. I probably would have seen this three or four times already. Um, but, you know, now I'm a, an adult and can't go to the movies um, uh, like ten times a week like I used to go to. So... Um, yeah, uh, but I, I, I this is I, I rarely look forward to buying stuff on Blu-ray or whatever new technology. Okay, baby. Uh this will be one that I'm gonna end up probably
0: I'll, I'll I'll purchase. So Yeah. There you go. High praise from the hands man himself. Yeah. Uh thank you guys so much for sticking with us. We're almost done. But real quick, uh I just wanted to get you guys takes. Harry, you mentioned maybe doing some nolan rankings like a top five mm. um what are you thinking
2: yeah i mean i think we need to dedicate a whole episode if you if you're asking me honestly um and so look out in the future uh but my i uh i kind of went with my personal rankings right now um when thinking about it um and here's here's my top five uh, inception uh, memento dark knight oppenheimer and the prestige uh so those those are my uh fave five I won't hear any differently. Uh, This is my opinion and uh, you can all kick rocks. I don't know what to tell you. So uh, let's hear from the other
0: lads. Yes. Hans. How about you? Go ahead, Greg. Okay. So if we're going personal thieves, uh, I'm going to go the dark Knight as number one inception as two. The prestige is number three. Oppenheimer is number four and Batman begins is number five. Interesting.
1: Um, I I go Interstellar number one. Um, That's one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Probably my science fiction movie of all time. Um, I go Oppenheimer 2, Inception 3, Batman Begins 4, Dark Knight 5. Hot take hands. At
0: last, the truth comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's bowing his head in shame, folks. (laughs) Yeah. The Dark Knight is Uh, 5. I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna I, I was going to put that gonna, on your tombstone like, doesn't really hate The Dark Knight. It's his number yeah. five. <laughs>
1: it's number five. But I mean, Batman Begins is better, to be honest. It's, 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 so.
2: Sure.
0: Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for sticking around for another supersized episode. Um, hopefully, you guys got a chance to see Barbenheimer. And, and if you have not, go check it out. Go check out both movies, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Well worth the money uh hair anything for the peeps
2: thanks so much for listening to the uh the barman Barbenheimer pod i hope you guys uh love the movies just as much as we did and if you didn't i hope we uh you know maybe skewed you and with another way to look at it um appreciate you guys listening and uh you know we'll have some more fun uh end of the summer you know as we get back into the school year season so hopefully we'll have some fun things to talk about
1: absolutely
0: hands anything for the peeps.
1: yeah no, i'm glad that you guys uh, enjoyed my thoughts on barbie um and you know i thought that was a great movie Very articulate
2: um, <laughs> <yeah>. hilarious um <laughs>
1: uh, uh, yeah just lit- <laughs> sorry now we're gonna we're gonna drop a special episode on uh on blue beetle so look out for that uh um I'm just kidding. Please don't. If you're listening, do not. There is no. It's going to be Beetle the sounds
0: upcoming. of a garbage truck backing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Listen, Chris. If we yeah. couldn't get you out for Barbie, but you'll see Blue Beetle, I might have to. We might have to have a vote or something to get you. Um,
1: I am. I'm, I'm announcing my new James Gunn DCU universe podcast. It's going to be. It's going to start with Blue Beetle, and I'll do a special Gran Turismo episode. Great.
0: <laughs> Love it. In two, uh, two week, right. in
1: two weeks after it's supposed to come out, because we're supposed to promote
2: it.
0: Well, sorry. thank you all for sticking around We love you, stay safe We'll catch you next time And make sure you always live Spicy, spicy.